Welcome to Veterans Day of Mind. I am your host in Los Angeles, California. For those of you who don't know who Los Angeles is, you thick fucks. Uh, it is, of course, me, Geraint Jones, your loving, benevolent host. Um, guys, thanks for coming in. Thanks for bringing your friends. Thanks for helping us, the podcast, grow. Thanks for just being fucking awesome and making posts and buying t-shirts from vsomstore.com. Plug, 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 plug. Please go buy more fucking t-shirts um, so I can stay in California. Um, look, guys, it's fucking been a wild ride. I hope you enjoyed the last episode with the man that is um, the legend, Rudy Reyes. Got another Marine Corps veteran in today, and uh, he's legendary in his own way. He is the first adult entertainer that we've had on the podcast, at least officially. Um, I'm sure if you get down and dirty in the weeds under amateur section, you'll be able to find some of our other guests in there. But this guy gets fucking paid for it. Yes, that's right. He gets paid for putting his penis in places that most of you can only dream of. And um, we're going to delve into his veteran state of mind today. Also, his veteran state of penis, I suppose. Um, and, um, yeah, if you're under 18, stop listening now. I know you won't. You'll just be wanking yourselves all the way through this one, won't you? You dirty little bastards. But, um, yeah, his name is I Will Pounder. I don't think that's us on his birth certificate, but that is his name, Will Pounder. Um the porn industry is nothing except being a hotbed for the greatest puns. And uh, this guy we met, um, we were put together through our friend Daniel Sharp at Pop Smoke Media. So shout out to you, Daniel. And uh, we got together recently in Vegas. Not like that. Not in a professional capacity. We got together as friends. Um, we had a good little chat there. And I've been really looking forward to doing a podcast with him. Uh, he lives in LA. But we'll let him do the talking. Um and then you lock and all go and hit your fucking searches. So, catch you soon, guys. Just help a man up to his feet or hold a newborn. But no matter what I do, my hands remembering my rifle. Yeah, life's hard, I know that. Still wouldn't change shit. I wouldn't go back, yeah. I wouldn't go back. Feelings I hold back. Memories fade, yeah. They go fast, yeah. They go fast. Good times to come and go. Survive the highs and lows. Just take it step by step. I guess, yeah, I suppose. Good times to come and go. Survive the highs and lows. Will, welcome to the podcast, mate. Thank hey, what's you. happening, man? How you doing? I'm fucking good, mate. I've been looking forward to this one <laughs> since uh, Dan. Shout out our brother Dan, um, your Marine Corps brother Dan, yeah. over at Pop Smoke. How'd you guys, how'd you, you and Dan know each other? Is it just through the social media and stuff? Uh, we met through a mutual friend a long time ago. Yeah. I don't really keep up with who's who on yeah. anywhere. <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of lost in my own world, so. Well, I'm disappointed that Dan has any other friends than me, honestly, so I'm going to have to find out who this mutual <laughs> friend is um, and kill them. But no, mate, we've been wanting to do this for a while. We, took, uh, we caught up in, uh, caught up in Vegas briefly. You, you were there for, uh, well, we were there for the Shot Show. Mm -hmm. um, shout out the Bobbies guys and Scott and those guys for setting that up because that's where I came in. I was signing books by the door. I had more fun doing that at Shot Show than I did at AVN. Okay, well, first of all, all of our listeners, none of them watch pornography on rope, so none of them are going to know what AVN means. Oh, so gotcha. let's fill them in on AVN. <laughs> Uh, so AVN is Adult Video Entertainment, yeah, or whatever the acronym is for it. It's porn. Yeah, <laughs> a bunch of naked people doing naked things. And it's an, and it's the awards is at Vegas on the back end of Shot Show, which seems like a big coincidence. It, you know, it's like, know. dude, how many, like, how many guys do you think justified to their families like to, that they were staying through that weekend because they still like Shot Show finished on Thursday, as far as I'm aware, and then the AVN 
awards and stuff. They they begin on uh, not the awards, the um, oh, they go convention from Wednesday till Saturday, Tuesday so till Saturday. I can't believe that out of every week of the year. It's an absolute coincidence that Shaw Show and AVN just happen to be on the same. Every time, every year. Every year. Same time, every year. Yeah, so I, de I definitely think there's a bit of people doing that to either A, um, tell lies to families, or B, lies to accountants, which is definitely what I was doing. Because, <laughs> because, like, for me, it was like 30 minutes saying a book show, flights to Vegas justified. I shouldn't have said that on air. Uh, I don't think my accountant listens to this. I don't think anybody knows me listens to this. Um... Well, mate, okay, right. Well, we are, we've are briefly chatted about this. And, like, well, I want to get into some of the stuff we were talking about in about Vegas as well. We were talking some deep shit in Vegas about um, the universe and all that in entails. So but we're talking physics, metaphysics. Yeah, yeah exactly. We, I want to get into some of that. Bioelectricity. We're talking so, brain. Like, yeah, so people listening, if you think you're just going to hear about boobies today, then you're disappointed. <laughs> but we will cover boobies too, um, as we do on every episode. But man, like, like, just fill people, fill people in on on your background, where you came from, um, just a little bit about growing up, because one of the things that people, and we we'll go into this in more detail, but I want people to understand, like, it seems to me, for you've had a pretty, like, in all ways, a lot of normal, quite a normal upbringing in many ways, you know, like, uh, um, but you know, I've only heard the last kind of six, seven, or eight years, so like, let's hear the childhood. I was a very interesting upbringing. I, I grew up Mormon, and right. So you don't really think that. Like I grew up thinking that's normal. Like that. That's how life was. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm, I'm very like I'm very intellectual. I like to know how things work. And I started asking questions, and I couldn't get answers. It was like, well, faith. I was like, well. So you mean what kind of age are you when you're ask, asking these questions? I was I was eight. Oh, okay. I was like eight, so nine. Really yeah, <laughs> I, I was really I was, mm -hmm. I was I was above the curve when it when mm -hmm. it came to learning things, and I started asking questions. And I was like, okay, so I kept trying to do that, and then things didn't make sense. Like you got the paradox, you know, if if God is all good, all um, all knowing, all powerful, then that, that in itself is its own paradox, mm -hmm. and it doesn't ma doesn't make sense. Like my brain kind of sees things as computers, and I was really into physics. Right. So as a kid, like I would, I, would, I always like to build things. I, I would see them in my head, and I'd build them. Like I built the electromagnetic engine because I, I saw it in my head, and I was like, oh, I wonder if this would work. And so one of my buddies. So what do you mean when you saw it in your head? You just see like, because I kind of feel where you're coming from here. Because it's like when I do a book, yeah, it just like I feel like it just unfolds in front of me, like, and it just so like when you said electromagnetic magnetic engine, you mean like literally a blueprint? Yeah, you see like a blueprint literally. In your well, head. I thought in my head I was like, because there, there, there I just remember they were talking in school about there's like these there's like, like problems and like there's electricities and other countries that have electricity. I was like, man, it's interesting. So I was really just really th honing in. I was like, man, I wonder if I could make something that would. I do that, and it was just, it was just stuck in my head for a bit, and then I, it was like a dream. Like a couple of days later, I had like this dream, and I, I saw a bunch of different like designs, and like later on, I learned that they're like different types of blueprints. I was like, that's really interesting. Mm -hmm. But one of them stuck in my head. I was like, oh, this is really cool. Well, one of the guys I was friends with, um, he was he was an older kid. He worked at the INEL, was a big elec um, electricity plant up there in uh, Idaho. So I started talking to him about that, and so we got some parts and we built it, and it worked. <laughs> it wasn't anything fancy. It was just yeah. an electromagnetic and How old were you this time? I was 16 when that happened. Damn. Okay. So let's go back to like being eight then and question. Because this is something like I think about a lot as well is the question of faith. Because some of my, like, some of my very intelligent friends are very, also very, have very strong faith. And mm -hmm. I've always, you talk about paradox. I always think like that's really hard to, for me to kind of reconcile those two things. Because it's like once you start asking questions for me, the whole thing seems to doesn't seem to hold water very 
very quickly. So, like, be, what, what's it like being in a Mormon household as a kid? You know, because the depiction we get from, um, you know, from the, Family Guy, from like Family Guy, South Park, yeah. So yeah. it wasn't that. It, it was yeah. there was no polygamy. Uh, my whole Mormon upbringing it was very family focused. Like you know, it was doing family exercises, and you get like your ward, and you got your people would come over. Like strange, like people from the ward would come over on your house. Oh, for a ward, a ward. For, from from the ward or like the church, they come over. Okay, so and, the, like, ward, the ward is like the local, the, the local, local church. church yeah. yeah. Right. So they do that, and like, I don't. It was pretty young, so I, I was like, all right, I mean, this is kind of cool. And then as I started getting older, I started realizing that the same people that are up there pledging their faith were the same people that were at the parties getting blitzed every night. I was right. like. All right, one and one isn't equal in two. So I was like, well, which is it? So I started asking questions, and then I just sometimes you just gotta have faith. I was like, well, I can have faith in something, but I need a foundation to like have faith on, and I like to know how things work. And I actually started go. I went, uh, I went backwards, and I, I studied uh, human origins because I was like, man, what it was this? I ended up in a research facility for uh, for metaphysics, studying the theta brainwave, and. Uh, like, like like my brain scans, they look like I'm on LSD when, when I do that. So it was really really interesting. Like, like, like we, we they discovered lots of things. Like when I was uh, when I when you do a theta work on somebody else, um, the second you start to do that on someone else, their brain then turns into a theta state, where any any rest of the time it's it's resting in its it, uh, I think it's like your alpha and whatever beta gamma wave or wave, brain waves. Okay. But when when you go into a theta state and you do they practice with somebody else, and even if they don't know how to do it, it automatically their brain flips on on the brain scans. So, so what, what is a theta state then? Talk us through that. So theta is the brain wave that comes awake in REM sleep. Okay. Um, so there, the understanding of what it was is that if your theta brain wave is, uh, if you could control it in your conscious state, what could you do to the body? Mm-hmm. You know, th- that was the, the gist of the research, and we discovered lots of different things. They talked about like chakras and all that kind of stuff and then uh, bioelectricity and some of it it's like makes sense some of it's like i think it's a little bit far out there i try to like take more of a pragmatic approach to things not so much spiritual more scientific but it's it's funny the more that you go into scientific the spiritual side comes into it mm. so after we're discovering that and i could go on for that about hours oh we, we could yeah. we'll come back to this definitely. So we'll, we'll come back well, we're talking about religion later on. I was like, I was wondering, like, well, why is my brain different than other people? Mm-hmm. And then I started looking. Then I wonder about like human origins and stuff where that came from. Because like, I feel like the ancient times are so concerned about the genetic line. Like the the emperors, they're like, it's all about the genetic, yeah. like the genetic line. I was like, okay, that's very interesting. So I went back and I read the Sumerian tablets, and that was when things got really interesting. You know, because like in school they taught they they'll teach you about uh, ancient Sumeria. Uh, that's where like the the calendar was invented, the wheel was invented, agriculture, a lot of stuff that we use in today was actually invented back back then. But they don't really, there's not much. The school doesn't really harness too much time on that. I was like, I was wondered why. So, uh, the oldest written documents in human history are the Sumerian tablets. If you never read them, I highly recommend reading them. It's it's very eye opening. You can actually, if if you've read like the any church, any Bibles or whatever your domination, whatever your thing is, you can actually pull the stories of where those came from from the Sumerian right, tablets. Yeah. It's very interesting. And if you take what the they talk about in those tablets into different areas throughout history, like the, the Horn of Africa, uh, they there used to be like two to three hundred people is what they estimated that lived there. Well, there are these um, there, there's these, they call them ca- cattle trails, but they were they were like different designs and there were mounds. There was no entrance or exit. There was just these mounds. And they thought there was only a couple hundred of them. Well, then they started taking aerial views, and there was like a couple thousand. There was like right. 10,000. There was 100,000. And then they estimated it to be over a million. So if there's a million of those, 
having two to three hundred people in that it doesn't really make yeah, sense. That, so yeah, like, that, that's, the, that's, a, that's a lot of fucking graft not making sense. to be putting into giant buildings. Yeah. But then there's some interesting coincidences, like the lost technology of sound. Um, if you were to take sound on a sand pl- on, on a sound plate and play frequencies through it, um, some of those designs that the sand makes from the sound match up perfectly to the ones that were found all over the Horn of Africa. In Africa, it's really interesting. And then later on, like you, they found uh, there's these silica um, tools. They, they call them tools. They're like donuts, and one was like um, these ice cream cone shaping tools. And supposedly those were what they used. Like I, I've never seen it seen it done in my personal mm-hmm. life, but that's what they were used for. Well, it's based off of this type of silica, and it resonates at a really high decibel. And I was like, that's pretty interesting. So there was this engineer who made a sound uh, amplifier out of a donut, and what he discovered is that it uh, creates a sound vortex and it turns out it can generate electricity through sound. Like, so, you know, like everything's kind of connected. Well, I gotta say, like, I feel like my <laughs> I'm struggling to keep, I consider myself reasonably intelligent and I'm fucking, <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean to lose you. No, mean lose it's you. great, dude. It's great. <laughs> um, it's fucking, it's, it's, it's so fucking interesting, dude. Um, I'm just, I'm just trying to figure where we could break this, this, this down into now. So, well, here, I'll, I'll sum so, it up real oh, quick. No. Okay. So they went from there. Now, going back to Sumerian tablets, there's multiple things that start reinforcing that the story that they had. And I don't really want to get too much into the mm-hmm. story, but more of that makes sense than anything else. And then now you take it into modern physics. Um, they Everything leads to that we live inside of a hologram. I mean, Elon Musk thinks that we live inside a hologram of a hologram. And if you follow the theory of inevitabilities, it almost kind of makes sense. Oh, Do you want to know why? Yeah, I mean, right. okay, I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm kind of into this one. I've, All right. I'm glad you're talking about this because people have heard me mention this before. So let's go into okay. it. So theory of inevitabilities. So when the radio was invented, it was inevitable that's going to be invented. If the person that, that invented didn't invent it, it was someone else was actually working on it at the same time. And a lot of um, uh, inventions that really furthered the progression of uh, humanity, they were kind of multiple people working on it at the same time. Yeah. It's just the person that got the name for it was the one that either had the most marketing behind it or the one that just did it first. And just to just jump in, like that goes with people. It, that's with anything in general. Like if you are um, we're a start a podcast, I guarantee you there's another 10 veterans right now who are looking to start another podcast. It's the same mm-hmm. with anything. So yeah. just because these are life-changing inventions doesn't mean that, that that doesn't happen just the same with them as it does with anything. You're open a, thinking of opening a fucking sandwich shop, other people are thinking it too. So even when it's will-changing inventions, the same principle mm-hmm. applies. So following the theory of inevitabilities, it was inevitable that the radio was going to be invented, that the car was going to be invented, computers were going to be invented, so and artificial intelligence or AI is going to be invented. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's yeah, inevitable, exactly. right? Now you follow the path of um, where virtual reality is going. Well, you realize that your brain, the, the, the senses that your body has, your brain reads those. And you can actually trick your brain into thinking virtual reality is real. Yep. They've had studies with this. So if your brain can think virtual virtual reality is real based off of input, well, your brain is just a computer. Yeah. So if that's the case, now we're dealing with uh, the possibility, like we're on the, the verge of where there might be another virtual reality coming out in the future. Like mm-hmm. y- if you think about it, you know, yeah. artificial intelligence, you know, like what if we create another world to, to test some ideas of like what happens, you mm-hmm. know, you never know how, how that's going to yeah. stem apart. Well, I, I think I, I think uh, where it kind of clicked for me was a book, that Homo Deus book by, um, I forget his name, he's really the guy. Uh, Noah of Val Harari, and it was basically along the lines of this: like, if you um, 
if you like accept the fact that you think one day virtual reality will become indistinguishable from reality, which I think most people do, then the chances that this right now is the actual reality is infinitely kind of like it's in, in the billions to one, you know? Mm -hmm. So that kind of makes it's like if you accept it, like, look, bro, fucking you're probably about the same age as me. I remember playing fucking Sonic the Hedgehog. That shit don't, did not look real. You fucking go and watch a movie. You go and watch a movie now, or you fucking you watch a movie now, or you um, you fucking you you tune into um, um, like you know when H.G. Wells put out War of the Worlds and they read it for the first time, people shit their yeah. pants because they thought it was real. Now, if you didn't like, if people didn't know any better, if you took like someone had been in a fucking cave and showed them a movie that they might think, think it's, it's real. real. So I can't, I just can't believe that virtual reality is not going to be to the point where it's totally. Real. Well, I, t I tell you what, I do. I make a lot of uh, virtual reality porn. Like I shoot between. Now we're onto the stuff people are interested. I, I, I shoot about. In. They're like, right, fuck yeah, no, like, fuck all the science shit. Let's go right to the point. So I shoot about ten to fifteen uh, virtual reality scenes a month. And I've, I've never had a headset on, and then uh, the director was like, "You've never seen it before." I was like, "No," and so he puts it on me, and this he played one that I wasn't the person behind the camera. So I look down. It's not my dick, but like my legs are there. I'm sitting in a chair. My hands are to my side. Whoa. So as I look down. That there's my legs and I look to the left there's my arm it's not my arm but it's there my brain thinks it is right. you know, there's for a split second I went to move my arm and it didn't move and then I could feel my brain like that's not you like oh. it made that distinct like that's that was the fallacy in the programming but like you could very it, it, there was a point where it believed that that was me yeah you could look around you can move your head around and you can see the room just as if it was so it's very trippy but here's where things get interesting, and we'll wrap up the whole metaphysics talk real quick. No, don't. Okay, Let's we won't wrap going. it up. We'll no, keep, it going. keep it going. All right, so um, back doing the energy work. You know those, like, phenomena where it's like you can feel somebody watching you? Yes. And, and it's it's registered as a phenomenon. It's called going into the 24-hour gym in West Hollywood. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you, you feel it. Right? Yeah. So the, you get that phenomenon. It's, the other one's like you think of, like, if you're thinking about someone and then all of a sudden they call or they text. Yeah. You know, like, that, too coincident it happens mm. too many times for that to be like a coincidence you know mm -hmm. so there's there's a there's a lot of metaphysics there are theories into that um so what, what we've been able to test we've been able to test that you can create tethers in between it's an intentional connection from one computer source to the other and that's made through the third eye um and if you get so you have someone that does not have a calcified pineal gland they can feel the energy around their body most people they would call themselves an empath i call them normal because mm. i think that's how the human body is actually supposed to be uh, but when you take a lot of fluoride or you have a really bad diet it really messes up with your pineal gland if you have t way too much sugar too much caffeine it m fucks up with the brain so most people's diets yeah it kind of inhibits it but you i found that with uh for the most part healthy people almost everybody has this ability so it's mm -hmm. like uh, i do this with a lot of girls on set is like because because a lot of the girls you got to stay healthy to look good mm -hmm. so like well i'll play I'll, I'll run them through some of the tests i did when i was a, a research subject and then some of the ones i discovered and and so we'll play like these and now i'll turn the third eye on their third eye just being like what the fuck is that their head's like pulsating they're like they don't know what it is i was like well that's that's, that's a tether and so you can like pull the tether off and so you can show them and there's the you get the, the energy that's around your body is, is is programmable based off of intention you know some people would call it chi some people call it energy you could call it your aura yeah. there's a million names for the same freaking thing i, I really don't care which what the says name is. a lot in itself when there's yeah. a million names for something because it's felt all around the world in different yeah. religions that's how you something dude you know what one was powerful with the tether um you know pulling this back to the military for a minute the amount of mothers that said that they knew the moment their sons were killed at war mm -hmm. you want to know why 
Yeah. And this this is the same reason why psychics can see things, but psychics can only see things from people that they have a uh, a cord connected to. So you got cords and you got what are tethers. So um, officially, uh, there used to be this uh, a pseudoscience called morphic fields, and it originally back in, I think in like the '60s. Don't quote me on that. Um, the scientists were in involved. They thought everything was going in through genetics. They thought everything was passed down through genetics. So there was this. Uh, what, what really set that the the roller coaster going in that direction was they had the study with mice, and there's a dim light and a bright light, and the mice mouse had to go through. It. And if it went through the bright light, it would get a soft shock, and then reset through the maze. Well, they after doing it, it started off like it took them like 300 and something tries to get through it, and then they bred a new generation. And then it took them 270 something. Then the next generation, it took them like 250, 240, 215. So they published an article that the mice are learning through like each each generation. Yeah. So like, all right, they're learning through genetics. Well, another institute picked up the same study, the same species of mice, but they used uh, but not the same genealogical line, the same species but a different genealogical line. So when they when they started off, the numbers started off where they left off at. And I was like, okay, well the numbers aren't matching up, so there, there's something wrong in your experiment. Uh, then there's this theory of morphic fields that was out, and that what was going on is there was these birds over in, um, uh, I believe Europe, uh, England, Europe, somewhere, somewhere over there. I'm really bad with geography. <laughs> so, somewhere over there on <laughs> the other side of the world. It's something we kind of love. And uh, th there's these birds. They have a long gestation period, which means they uh, they it took them a long time to have another baby, mm -hmm. and they didn't travel very far. They're very regionally based, but there's this behavior of they would fly down, take the uh, cardboard off, and drink the cream and the milk that got delivered every morning. Mm -hmm. So this would happen. This started happening. It started spreading sporadically throughout the entire country. But th they couldn't figure. Physicists started getting involved. They're like, "Well, how are these birds learning this behavior?" Because it could, because it's not long enough to have passed down. Yeah, through, it's not long enough through through generations to generations. And then they did this study with monkeys, so or chimpanzees or monkeys. Um, they they marines yeah, marines. <laughs> they uh they gave uh these monkeys uh, a coconut and a tool, and they taught them how to use it. Well, once they taught a certain percentage on that compound, the rest of the monkeys of that species knew how to do that. Like use that tool with the coconut. Well, then it got very Even in other parts of the world. Later on, like that was just on that compound. Okay. Later on, they discovered that they could grab a monkey, that same species, anywhere in the world, and it knew that how to use that tool with the coconut. I was like, well, how is that the case? And that's when the theory of morphic fields came out. It got shot down. Um, fast forward, um, it officially became a new area of science the year before last. Okay. And the way it became a new area of science was actually through sound therapy. There's this lady uh, she found with a tuning fork that and um, I, believe, I believe it was Harvard. They just they published an article about freak, uh, sound frequencies within a specific hertz range have uh, electromagnetic properties, which explains what she discovered. Because what she found is like with certain tuning forks, she could move them around people's field and there'd be an overtone or an undertone in it. And she was like, that's weird. So she invested a lot of her time and money to discovering what was going on. And what she discovered was, is that six feet out from every person, there's a double layer membrane. And it's kind of like a vortex out from your body. And she's like, well, this is like your morphic field. And it stores electromagnetic energy. And so like emotions. And what she discovers is that uh, if you're, say you're 30 years old and you went through something emotionally traumatic when you're 15, she hypothesized that there would be an undertone or an overtone three feet out from your body. It's like a rings on a tree. Like rings on a tree. Yeah. That's actually the, the direct quote that she used for it. Wow. There you go. I'm well read, mate. Yep. And uh, so... <laughs> I must have picked it up for her. So the thing was, is like, in order for it to become a, an official area of science, she had to train other people how to do this. So she trained five students, and they all read the same person, and all the results matched up identically. So 
that that made it be that uh, that was the the thing that pushed it over to become an official new area of science. Mm-hmm. Now, where it got really interesting is a physicist approached her and said, "Well, why don't you try to read someone that's on the other side of the country?" Mm-hmm. And she said, "Oh, I can't do that. It's impossible." She said, "Just try it." So they set up two identical rooms. They had and they they did a study. Well, those results matched up perfectly. I was like, "Well, how's that?" He's like, well, now let's break it down into this. When I, when I used to teach um, energy healers how and why it is, what they do, and why it works, and then why it doesn't work. And if, you, if you're a computer programmer, it makes perfect sense. Um, so when you're, you look at reality, is the character, like, so let's play a video game, right? The character that's running through the video game, space and time is relative to that character, right? You got physics, it's all involved. But in order for that program to function, you've got a data that's going back and forth between the motherboard, the mainframe, the internet. All that and that stuff's moving so fast that space and time exists, but the key word is it's not relative. It's not relative to the character. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So let's call all that metaphysics. So how does this um, now? How do we tie in the fact that when you think of someone, they text, or you can feel people mm. looking at you, right? Yeah. Um. So, and how can psychics feel emotional events that are happening? So you got things that are called chords. So if you think like you're a computer vessel and I'm a computer vessel, we're in the same space. Um, we're actually interacting. Our chords are interacting. Like our computers are interacting with each other. If you think of somebody else, you're you, you're kind of creating an intentional or unintentional tether to that computer mm-hmm. mainframe. So every psychic I've talked to that's really actually saw something bad that was going to happen and they, they swear they did it before and they've known the person. There, there's some sort of connection between there where they could feel that. Same thing as like when you know that your significant other has like uh, cheated on you or something. Like mm-hmm. women will say like, "Oh, I, I knew the moment that it happened." Mm-hmm. How, how did you know? Mm-hmm. It, you could feel it in your gut. Mm-hmm. Well, that's also hypothesized that that's where we the, the soul exists is actually down in here. Which makes do I got I I've said this before on here. I say it to people all the time. I get a lot of people messaging in about like, should I do this job in the military? Do that, and I say trust your gut. Mm-hmm. And this, the reason that saying's been around for a long time is, it's like. I've been cheated on, mm-hmm. and I knew instantly. I knew right when it happened. Right when it happened, and other people have said the same thing. And um, my mum knew that I was involved when I got blown up in Afghanistan. My mum knew something had happened that day. Like mm-hmm. there's these these gut things, and um, I, I think all these. Well, here's where things get interesting. Okay. So you got all these cords that cords that essentially connect you, right? Mm-hmm. So emotions have a magnetic frequency to them. It can get stuck in the body. It can cause your body to drop in voltage. It has adverse effects to the body. And so you've got your bioelectric side of the body and your, your, bio, or, um, your bio, biological side of the body. And Western medicine doesn't really study the bioelectric side so much, but they go hand in hand. If one is something's going on with one, it affects the other and, and vice versa. Kind of like if a mechanic hears a noise with a car, he can tell you what's going on an energy worker that is reading your body is mm-hmm. like, well, there's a dip right here. That means there's something yeah. emotionally, electrically that's going wrong. There's something biologically wrong in that area. So that, that's kind of how you can read yeah. it from there. So, but when, since emotions are, um, have electromagnetic frequencies, when we were doing our studies for the theta healing, um, we discovered when we're trying to pass any type of information back and forth, whether it's like a visual picture or whether it's something, we, we tried so many different experiments. We tried doing like the playing cards back and forth and we're, we weren't getting anywhere. And then I got the idea to use to go into a theta state, but to use an emotion to project the intention across. And then we started getting traction. We but didn't so get people so people could like you. So you'd sit in a room, you'd think of um, you'd think of an emotional state. You'd get into an emotional state, 
And say it was like, like say it was like playing cards. So you get like a three of hearts mm-hmm. or like three diamonds. You get an emotion state. So it was like three of hearts, and you're like, you think that time like you you were very well loved, right? You mm-hmm. know, hearts love correlated yeah. together. And then you envision like you're seeing three hearts floating across the number number three. Oh, whoa. so you would kind of envision that. And then the other person would be like, you you, you clear your mind. He's like, all right, is it is this a red or a black card? And then they'd be like, all right, uh, it's let's say it's a red. Okay, is it hearts or diamonds? kind of feels more like it's a heart and then it's like all right is it higher than is it is it higher than seven or is it lower than seven it's like th- th- that's when you start piecing it together so you ask questions and do sit back that and then you put it down well we actually started getting things right and that's where it got really weird but then it got really really weird after that so we're getting like five six right sometimes some of the tests we get like seven or eight right but these are very consistent like before we were getting zero like yeah. zero out of ten every single time now we started getting somewhere like that's interesting a lot of times, well, the, where this is what I couldn't ex- I couldn't explain this. None of us really understood what was going on. Is the ones that we were getting wrong. A lot of times, those were like the next card that we'd pick up, and we, we could never figure out why that's the case. And if it happened one or two times, we'd be like, oh, okay, whatever. But it, it happened almost every single experiment. So that's why we we're kind of like, this makes no sense. Like I can't explain this. Hmm. So that I don't know. Is is there's like some delay time between like you, you think for a hologram? there's got to be some delay time from the motherboard to here. You know, if like our understanding of like time is based off of light, well, light has to travel. Where's the main frame? Like, you Jeez. know, there's so much in there that we don't know, but it's kind of <laughs> like there, there's, there's a missing component to actually answering the question as to why that was the case. And you know what? I'm actually okay. with not knowing answers to questions. Um, what I'm kind of, my thing's always been, I'm like you do that question things. I question things a lot. A lot of things. Not so much for you, mechanics. Like for me, I question like a lot of. I, I, I question a lot of the ways that we live on the on the society. Like I, I question more, like hum, like more the kind of humanistic side of things rather than, you know, like I look an engine, and all I need to know is that motherfucker's gonna run for me. I don't like. I've never tried to be one that breaks down that side of things. But yeah. I've always looked at things and been like, like the religion one, and be like, well, why is any you know why isn't anybody asking the you know the fact that all these religious dates are important in Christianity all correspond to pretty important ones in pagan ones and there's all these different and like what you think you're the only one who's, like things like that have never made sense to me like um, you want to be you want to work on Wall Street you got to wear a suit it's just little things like that it's just don't, don't I, I'll tell you for me. religion if you want to start answering those questions go back into the Sumerian tablets mm-hmm. um, under, have a, a an understanding of how physics and metaphysics interact as far as like a virtual reality and then go read the Sumerian tablets. If you understand it, like when they first interpreted the Sumerian tablets, our our knowledge of genetics was not that great. Right. Like, like, we just weren't that advanced. When so when, 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 when was this? Like, say, what are we talking about? Like 60s? Or... I, I don't remember the ex- yeah. I, I don't want to quote a date because right. I don't know the exact date. I just know that but our, like, our advancements but far, in genetics. Far, far enough along that we had the rough idea of science, but not like to the DNA, like the you know breaking down like we do now and so there's like, no 22 and me or whatever it's called yeah so so like just a little recap of what it is it's about like this a species that came down to harvest gold from earth and they brought a, a workforce to do the work well there's a big revolt and this is sorry this is the sumerian this tablets, is the sumerian tablets. Okay. so they they wiped out the species well they needed to make a new a new workforce so they started playing around with genetics they reference this in the book of enoch which is right before genesis and they actually quote it in the uh something about nephilim in the first verse of genesis like look at genetics don't focus so much on the name of what it is look at the genetics on it and so they're doing genetic mo- mo- um, they're, they're messing around with genetics to create a new species and then they found that if they use their own dna with the humanoid like species then 
then that's where they got mankind. But mankind was initially created as a mule, according to the Sumerian tablets. Mm-hmm. And so they, they did that as a workforce, and then they wanted to give them free will. So they, they broke them up into 12, and they had 12 different test subjects. And they got a woman, uh, 12 different women, men, and they, they bred them to see if they could actually breed. Each one had their genetics. And then, you know, now you got, like, the 12... 12 people, you got the 12 tribes of Israel, you got, you, you kind of mm. see like the, where, where things are being okay, pulled from. I, okay. How does that tie into, let's say that I can buy into the idea that somebody comes across and then builds a mule force, I can buy into that. But then would that be part of the virtual reality? This is where this, people's going to start, heads kind of start it. So <laughs> is that just part of a, vir- is that part of someone else's virtual reality game? simulation or do you know what i mean like, what, i know what, what oh part is it <laughs> well what part is it? are they in the same virtual <laughs> reality world yeah that's what i'm saying or if they did like is that them coming here and harvesting actually the beginning of a simulation or who knows <laughs> like i don't, I don't fucking know. know bro i have no what, like, there's what not if enough, part, there's what not if enough weed in la to figure out this but what if it's a simulation what if it's like we don't know what the actual what you, real so reality do you think is we live in, do you think we live in a simulation yeah i mean well, all the data points this, to I had this conversation with my brother once, and it was basically along, we ended up along the lines of, well, if it is a simulation, who cares? Because we're still enjoying our time together, mm-hmm. whether that's a simulating time or not. It's like when I, um, or not, when I, let's say, for instance, I took MDMA, and I enjoyed that, <laughs> like, that's, it, like, that, that uh, you know, simulation as such, um, then it would be an enjoyable experience. And if life is a simulation, then so be it. It doesn't mean that you then get to go around being a cunt to people because you're like, fuck it, it's a simulation. I'm going to kick you in the fucking dick. Well, so here's the thing. So your mind is the computer. Your body's the vessel, right? Mm-hmm. But there's that other, that third component called your soul. Mm. That has a big thing to play with it, too. Yeah. So if you're doing, like, fucked up shit, you can't tell me that doesn't affect your soul. Yeah. We, we've all met someone think, that's done some fucked up you, shit. And do you think, there. like, do you think, so the soul is almost like, because I, I, I'm definitely at the point, um, Having had the DMT experience and stuff, I'm at the point where um, I became very much like more at peace with the idea of death because I be- began to believe in the soul very much before. Whereas before, I was very much like when I when I was in Afghanistan, I was under no illusion. Like at the time, this is how I felt at the time. Yeah. If I get a step on an ID, my next existence in this life is fertilizer, and then that's where it stops. <laughs> like there's not and there's nothing more for me after that. Now I'm of the opinion that there is like a um, this undestruct- indestructible force, which is, quote-unquote, the soul. It's kind of how I feel now. Now, I don't know. I have no fucking idea about where that goes, how that comes in, anything like that. But I just seem, it just seems to me to be, it's almost like if we're going to use this thing of the, the computer, that it's like, um, can- that it's my hard drive, basically. And my hard drive is going to go back into something else somewhere else. So I've got a little bit of experience uh, as when it comes to in terms of doing energy. So some of the stuff that I was working on is recreating new frequencies, like f- feel a frequency and recreate it. Um, for example, there's this company that has a uh, this this uh, chair, the, this, this piece of equipment that goes on a chair and you sit on it. And they pump a frequency into your body and it increases your circulation by 33%. And it's helped save. It's like a compression suit. Or not a depression you just sit on it and it pumps a their patented frequency in your body oh, and, it, frequ- okay, and it uh and eventually your body starts resonating at the frequency and it increases your circulation it's helped save diabetics from having surgery wow like, it, it's really something cool mm-hmm. so i met i met this guy and uh, i felt his i felt his chair and i was like that's cool so i recreated it 
and I recreate and I, I held it up to him. And I was like, here, because he could feel it. And he was talking about mantras. Like you can, like if you, mm-hmm. certain frequencies, you can feel them echoing in your body. So he would sing a mantra and I could say, oh, well, that one's this one. And you could feel it resonate. If you're really in tune with your body, you can, you can I don't know how to explain it. You can just feel those things. So I showed him the, the frequency of that and, he's, and it completely blew his mind away. So we, we kind of did like a, a little study. It was like, well, what if I were to put that frequency in somebody's morphic field? Would it have the same effect as sitting on the chair? I was like, so far it did. So we're like, that's actually pretty cool. There's no really commercial as- aspect of it, but it was kind yeah. of cool. Um, well, the commercial aspect of frequencies, I suppose, to music, right? Yeah. Well, so when, uh, so so that was just re- recreating frequency. So now, by doing energy work for most of my life, um, I, I did DMT for the first time, like like four or five months ago, and it felt like when I do energy work for about ten minutes, when I'm at state of mind for about ten minutes. That's what it felt like when I did DMT, except when I did DMT, it punched me into there. Right, yeah, yeah. Like, I was just like, boom, and then it felt like, oh, this feels normal. Like, I've been here before. Like, yeah. I've spent a lot of time mm-hmm. in this state. And so it felt like, that's felt like home. I don't know, it felt like a very home mm-hmm. feeling. And I was, I, I could kind of, in my experience, I was able to kind of, you know, see space and time for what it was. And you could kind of see, like, the constructs of it. I don't want to go too deep into it. But, uh, but th- it felt the exact same. Um, so when we're talking about frequencies, uh, I, I do different tests uh, with people when I when I do a reading for them. Uh, you can change. Uh, are you familiar with the scientist that did uh, the experiments on water? Like he he'd play music into water. He he'd think about something in the water and and, am, and stuff I like am, that. No. You, you right, got so, me mistaken for someone. With no, I, I don't know if you've heard of the study. <laughs> no, no, I, no, I haven't, bro. Um, so I what, haven't, but it sounds interesting. So what what this guy did is he put uh, words and he t- he he typed out words. He used the same type of water across the whole experiment, and he t- he type them up and put them on the, the the bottles, and then he put the water on top of pictures and uh, different things. Uh, he played music through them, and what he do is he'd freeze the water and then look at its molecular structure. Well, things like anything that had to do with like love, beauty, anything and like that. And these are inanimate, well, quote unquote, inanimate objects. Yeah, it's just water. It's just water. Right. But it was the intention of what he put into it. Oh, okay. Right. So okay. when he froze it, he looked at the molecular structure, and he was like, anything that was like love or beauty or anything like mm-hmm. that that was very very pleasant. It had it, it was very uh, symmetrical. It, looked, it was pleasant to look at. Things like hate, uh, it was all jagged. Really. Uh, the fool had no structure at all. Uh, and then the same thing with like music, he'd put music through it. And like, you would think like the hard screamo stuff, it was all jittery, mm-hmm. like the Mozart, stuff, it was very symmetrical. Mm-hmm. It was like, so they're the, the hypothesize that you literally create the world around you based yeah. off of your perception mm-hmm. or your intention. So I took that. And so what I realized is that if I were to put a high frequency into the water, there, there was a common denominator that I found across. I've done this experiment at least a thousand times. And what, what, I, what I discovered across the dominator is that people that do not have a calcified pineal gland will taste a metallic so aftertaste. Just, just explain for you a calcified pineal gland. So uh, courtesy of the water in America, they have pumped uh, fluoride into it. Uh, fluoride has shown not to really do anything positive for you. Uh, fluoride treatments for your teeth actually don't show to do anything for your teeth. Uh, if anything, it harms the body. Um, but what they do know is that the second fluoride enters your body is it goes straight to your pineal gland and then it calcifies your pineal gland. Your pineal gland is in the dead center of your brain and it's what it's known as the spirit organ. It allows you to interact with the world around you that's not just physical. Right. So conspiracy theory hat on. Conspiracy theory hat of mine says that they put that in deliberately to stop people connecting with each other well, on this level. 
Spread it. There you go. You heard it here first. <laughs> well, that's that's been out for a good bit. That, that, nope, that they heard it okay, here first. Okay, they heard it here first. They heard it here first. <laughs> None of these guys knew what a fucking pineal gland was before. Now they heard it here first. Uh, but, but hang on. Well, like, but that makes sense, though. Yeah. Like, this goes clear back into uh, Egyptians know about this stuff. Like, really? It was huge in the Egyptians. In fact, the uh, remember I told you about the, the lady that discovered the morphic field mm-hmm. that made a new area of science? She found that she could use the tuning fork and move the electromagnetic energy back mm-hmm. into... Uh, the, the vessel however there were these two dots underneath the armpits that she couldn't she couldn't but like th- it wouldn't move them and she the, later on she hypothesized that one's your father's information and then your mother's information hmm. it's pretty interesting right yeah now go look at some of the hieroglyphics and some of the stuff back in egypt and when you see the ones with the chakras you'll see the two little dots underneath mm. the armpits it's like yeah, it's interesting is that just a coincidence Bro, when i did dmt first thing i saw was egyptian hieroglyphs spinning and then they so i just saw them and i'm not interested in egypt or anything like that yeah. it's not my jam i don't watch ancient aliens um i've never watched ancient aliens um my friend my friend brad is obsessed with it so i've seen parts of it i've had sex like, in the house that they shoot in <laughs> so you also shot there um it's it's a it's a yeah, yeah we, we've yeah. I've had i've had a lot of sex in that house that we, we shoot <laughs> with <laughs> ancient aliens no you definitely heard this no. one here first will pound the fuck it, it's, it's, Holly, it's hollywood it's like you know yeah, it's, it's a, a set you know yeah um fuck dude now i think about sex do you totally right for the first Sorry. time in my life my my train of thought has been derailed by sex yeah, that <laughs> before. um yeah so uh, uh like i saw these egyptian hieroglyphs yeah and like i was like whoa that's interesting because like there's not something i think about now romans and stuff yeah i think about them all the time but not egyptians and then they just all started spinning and then they just they went off like so I'm using my hands. For anyone that's this, this totally scientific explanation of mine, you need to see on the video. It went like this. And then I was just going uh, through space. So sorry for audio listeners. You didn't really get the benefit of that. But the salient point being that I saw Egyptian hieroglyphs and that really stuck with me because I was like, why the fuck was it what I'd be saying? I wasn't even, when I went to the pyramids, I wasn't even that interested. You know, I was more interested in fucking trying not to step in rotting horses and all the other waste that's around there but yeah you know something interesting about the the pyramids go on so most of them think of them as burial chambers most of them are you know like but the i think it's the pyramid of giza it has no there's no gold they found in it there's no paintings on the walls Mm -hmm. it's it's got the structure right well if you take the physics of that structure what it was meant for and you just look at the data it matches up uh with the same schematics of how the tesla tower was supposed to work Right. Where things even get weird. So the say, Tesla Tower, this isn't Elon Musk Tower. No, this is the original Tesla. Yeah, the Tesla Tower, like way back then. You, yeah. I watched this, uh, this whole YouTube thing on it. It was very interesting. I was like, oh, that's actually brilliant. They they tested the rocks that were in there, and it was a type of silica rock, but it's very, very hard to find that rock, and it was imported from like – like it, it took them a long time to get that rock to mm-hmm. that place in that, that day and age. Like it wasn't like in that area. It was no like postmates. countries away. Yeah, there's no Postmates for that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it was a plyo – dynamic mm. so that me basically when there was like an explosion in it it would turn that into electricity right so it's very interesting dude it's fucking all i know is this anyone says they know everything it's fucking full of shit and that we should have an open mind to this stuff because um like having been someone like now I used to believe like everything that i read in history books and or all that kind of stuff i used to believe it all. you don't know any better when no. you're growing up but then Having been involved in a couple of military disasters myself, and having seen <laughs> and having seen about how they've been written up, I'm like, oh, 
This is actually not. It's not just like oh, they're a little off here. I'm like, this is totally inaccurate. So yeah. now, like, what pisses me off is when someone goes, oh well, in this book from 1845, they said this. I'm like, so fucking what? You might have been talking absolute fucking shit. Oh, yeah. Um. So I don't fucking know, dude. Well, he uh, controls I, the future, writes the past, and he yes. who controls the past, writes the future. Yeah, except with his being ghost written by me, in which yeah. case I'll just say whatever you pay me to say. Um, <laughs> but here's the other one as well. This makes sense for me. I, 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 um, I'm quite down with the worshiping of cats. I own a few cats myself. Definitely down to worship them. And there is a part of me that thinks: Does any other creature on earth have a better existence than cats? Because they basically do their own fucking. They don't get stuck on a collar and dragged around for a walk. They get their own. They run the show. And I'm thinking, could they, could these guys be are these are these the masterminds of it of it all? Right. We can come back to this, but I know people are going to be disappointed if we do not discuss your um, career, especially now given that they have had an insight into the mind of Will Pounder. So let's let's go back. To, I want to talk a little bit about your Marine Corps days. All right. So you joined you joined the Marine Corps for what reason? Um, I was a troublemaker growing up. Right. And uh, I figured I was like, all right, I gotta get my shit together. But what I'm kind not of tro- what kind of trouble are we talking about here? Um, obviously, you're a bit of a. I could see how you get on the wrong side of, especially like a an organization like Mormon religion for obviously poking around to your questions with you know we so, don't take too kindly to people ask questions around here. So I got kicked out of my house because uh, my parents thought I was bringing girls over. What happened was, is I brought my girlfriend over because her friend had passed away and we were going to a funeral and we stopped by the house to get some food. Right. Well, uh, my father was passed out on the couch and pretended to be asleep and I brought a girl home. So that was like, so I got kicked out. And so hang on. So they're not saying you brought a girl home and fucked in the house. We they, didn't. We, I actually they, never slept with that girlfriend. But they... Like we never now, had sex. No. And I bet you forget that one now. You're famous. <laughs> you're a famous swordsman. Um, but looking, uh, but going back on it, so they they weren't accusing you of fucking a girl in the house just for having literally come into the house with a girl. Yeah, they they didn't know what I was doing, so they're like, "You're you're doing this." And it was like it's against the whole thing. Then like once I started dating her, it was like my dad used to yell at me. She wasn't in the church, and so like she wasn't Mormon, and so I used to get like screamed at every day. I was like. Well, this doesn't. This ain't cool. That's it's like you know, she's a good girl. I'm yeah. a good guy. What's yeah, she was a good person. Here? Like, the, yeah, she she didn't smoke. She didn't drink. She didn't party. Like, you know, for my definition of like back then in like high school, I was like, oh, she's actually put together. Unlike yeah. most of the other people I was going to school with that were that I went to church with, like they were mm-hmm. drinking, they were smoking, they were partying. And I was like, no, nah, I, don't, I don't want a girl like that. I, you know, my mama raised me good. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, well, I found a good one. She just wasn't in the church, so that they lost their damn mind over it. Damn, that's, that's fucked it. You know, that's fucking crazy to me, but it's also sad. Like, stuff like that makes me sad. Like, yeah. I know so many people, and this is a crazy thing, right? Right now we're in L.A., which is one of, like, you know, it's a more liberal city in the world stuff. I remember, like, having my mind blown when I first came out here. I had friends that were at college together. They're doing their master's, and... um one of them was a Jew and the other guy wasn't. And they were clearly meant to, like, they were clearly, like, I'm not, and I don't believe that there's just one person for everyone. I do believe that there's multiple people. But these guys were clearly would have been good together and they clearly wanted to be together. And she couldn't bring it up to her, like, the parents couldn't get past it. And my kind of thing was, uh, at that point, fuck the, fuck the parents. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. The parents start living uh, your life. Like, I have another friend, a friend out here, and she was telling me that, you know, she uh, she's, She's a white girl, 
she had a black boyfriend and her dad said to her, you know, there's some families that can do interracial, that can have interracial relationships and this isn't one of them. And I was like, fuck. At that point, goodbye, dad. Yeah. You're, you're clearly a cunt. Never yeah. want to see you again. But I get, I get human beings. I get why they can't do it that, you know, they, they can't do it that easily. But when I hear stories like that, it doesn't make me angry. It makes me, it just makes me sad. Because I'm like, fuck, this is such, there's so much, like, we, we probably all know people who are in the closet who can't come out. There's so much misery caused by just the lack of the just... The problem with society. Is yeah. Everybody cares too much about what somebody else is doing and what they think about it. But which is, but which... I tell well, you what, so totally, like my job, right? My job is like very criticized among people. No, not by me. It ain't not me. by you, but most, <laughs> a lot of people are very criticized. They're like, it's very looked down upon. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. But I tell you what, um, I've, I've worked on both mainstream sets and I've, bo- and I've been on a lot of porn sets. And I've met a lot of people from many different industries, like a project manager, as a change management specialist. I used to go in, into companies and streamline them. Like I've got a very diverse background. I met a very vast group of people. I, I tell you the the people in the industry that actually that have their shit together that aren't like your your young your younger crowd like the yeah, people that have actually been around they're some of the most smartest business minded like the conversations mm-hmm. we have on set are not porn related at all mm-hmm. we're talking about economics we're talking about uh, marketing we're talking about uh, very rarely we'll talk politics we try to stay out of it until after the scene you know. You speak the name Trump, people lose their damn minds. Yeah. So we're not going to that. Choking scene. Yeah. So, <laughs> so we just we just avoid the whole thing. But it, we have a lot of intellectual conversations. Yeah. And whereas every time I've been on a mainstream set, it's always like, oh, this girl's so hot, I want to fuck her. Yeah. And, uh, and by, okay, so by mainstream, you're talking about like your uh, regular acting. Yeah. Because I, um, I got into porn through uh, through a TV show. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, we'll go, we'll come back to that. But I just want to say one thing on the two. That goes to the same for military, like. You know, when it's fucking four o'clock in the morning, and you're standing watch with somebody. Quite often, those conversations you're having, you've got a you've got a a, a, a blanket of stars in front of you. You the conversations you'll be having will be about about like, well, I wonder how people wanted to read the stars. Like, don't get me wrong, you also have conversations about fucking. Yeah. But like, um, people look down on grunts for for being grunts, yeah. uh, and again, like a lot of them turn out to be, you know, some of the most. <clears throat> not saying it's me. I mean, you might say that, but those those are my words. Um, some of the most like you know in, the intellectual people, and it's like you know, it's like it'll surprise people to hear what you've because people are going to think at the beginning of this podcast is going to be an hour and a half of talking about different kinds of lube. Yeah. Right? But um, you know, I think that's the that's the thing is people do look down on other groups. Um, and you know, getting back to the thing with you, you know, your, your parents, it's get looking down on it. This, this, having this, these arbitrary like set of rules of this is how we do things, but then not looking at the clear evidence in front, which is the clear evidence is here's a good, here's a good kid, here's a good girl, they're not doing anything wrong, yeah. live and let live. Like I find, it, I find that so hard to get my head around. That, That's it. That um, fucked me up for the longest. My idea of relationships was like I got to keep everything private. Like I can't, I can't. There tell you anybody. go. There you go. Bro. So it took me forever to get over that. And okay, and let's expand on this for people right now. It's not just it's debt. Do you don't tell anybody if you get oh shit I've got a great account problem I can't tell anybody I got to deal with my, myself. It's it's relationships. It's uh, people's sexuality. Um, it's people like um, uh, my family want me to go to uh, to to go business business school. Uh, I want to be a plumber. And you don't tell anyone for fucking seven or eight years, and this resentment builds up inside you, and you start keeping one secret, so you start keeping more secrets, and it's and then it just fucking snowballs. So, so I got I got a question about about different jobs, right? You you doing what you want, right? So I wanted to be a project manager, right? And I did that. I did that for about a year. 
and I liked it, but then I was over it. Mm-hmm. And then I had I, some people criticize me. It was like, well, wh- why don't you just stay and do that? You got a good job. Mm-hmm. You know, like you got a good vertical growth. I was like, yeah, but I was waking up every day happy, and then I wasn't. Mm-hmm. And I was like, maybe I was only meant to be a project manager for a year. I learned a lot of yeah. things, and then you move on to the next one. I think too, I'm a big believer in people moving between uh, yeah. jobs. Like I love right now. I love writing. I love doing this podcast. I'm not committing to doing either of them, um, you know, forever. I tell you yeah. this though, with my like, I wake up every day with a smile on my face. Yeah, I bet you fucking do. Yeah, <laughs> but like, it wouldn't. Yeah. That's, dude. Okay, you know what? Right. Let me ask you this. One, one of my best friends. He's a, he's a really good marketer. Really, 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 really good marketer. That's his passion is marketing. He wakes up every day with a smile on his face. Yeah. So if you're not happy doing whatever the fuck you're doing, well, why the fuck are you doing it? Yeah. Who cares well, what somebody you, else thinks? Because you're living in virtual reality and you've been programmed to do that. Here's one of the things sometimes I think. This is going to sound really egotistical. I know it does. But again, being honest, um, sometimes I think, why is it that like, because I have a fucking awesome life, dude. Like, I'm sure you agree you have an awesome life too. So I see so many people have terrible fucking lives. Like, fortunately, as far as I know, I've never been in one of those people. I've never been in one of those positions. So I have sometimes. <laughs> well, sometimes I feel. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've been through some shit, but I've all, almost felt like it was like levels in a game. I yeah. mean, you have to like beat the boss kind of thing. So like for me, PTSD was like the boss. Yeah. And once I beat the boss, I felt like it unlocked a whole new level in my fucking life. You know, same with other things that I've been through. And sometimes I I, I wonder why like there's some people wake up in the morning they don't have a smile on their face about going to work. And there's very reason. There's very real reasons why, like you're living in a fucking, uh, fucking, um, you know, I've just been watching fucking Narcos Mexico. You know, you're living in one of those situations, and uh, you got five kids to feed, and you know you're fucking working for the cartel or whatever, and you're worried you're gonna get your head chopped off. I can see why you might not have a smile on your face, but when you're waking up and you've got a forty, fifty thousand year dollar a year or pound a year job, and um, you don't live in a country where people tend to chop people's heads off. Um, and you don't have like you don't have kids or anything like that tying you down, and you're not happy. Then why is it that some people will make a change and some people won't? Well, I think a lot of people are afraid of change. Okay. Um. So my experience is I, I was I'll, I'll tell you my story where I went mm-hmm. where I was on the up and up in the martial arts world and yeah. then it yeah came sorry down. well I've got off track here let's go back to your because it's going to cover Corps. that yeah. So I got out of the Marine Corps. So I started the Jiu-Jitsu Club in Myanmar, and I taught the All-Marine competition. While you serving? While serving. Like that was, I got told by my captain, I'm on my own fucking program. Okay. Like, so Myanmar, just for people to know, Myanmar is the it's where Topkin's based, right? I it's believe so. Yes. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's by Camp Pendleton. It's down by down, down by San Diego, that part of the world. Just to give people some geography. So what what started happening was what when I got to my the fleet the, the fleet, um, I thought I was gonna be working on circuit cards because I went as a avionics uh, electronic countermeasure tech. <clears throat> so I get there and they had me in a back room working on night vision goggles for eight hours a day in the dark, and I was like, this sucks. So every day after work, I go train in jujitsu. Like I was I was a big bodybuilder and I, I got my ass kicked by a hundred thirty five pound jujitsu guy. I was like, all right. I'm, 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 what's, the, what's the secret yeah, to this yeah. dark so, so I started studying jujitsu, and I wanted to learn. And so in my spare time, I'd grab my roommate, and we'd go over to the gym, and I would practice what I what I what I learned in class. Or people in class would start saying these words like "gogo plata," "unum plata," "kimura," and I was like, I don't know what these are. So I was YouTubing them, and then I go and practice. Well, Marines like to fight. I mean, as you know, <laughs> and uh, so pe- like people started coming in to the classroom, and there was only enough for. Uh, 
us just to grapple, but people want to learn. So then they ended up getting um, a racquetball court space. Hmm. So we had, so it grew. So we filled that up in two weeks, and then we had people outside waiting to come in and waiting to learn. I was like, good grief. Hmm. A couple months, uh, there was a, a warrant officer that helped me. We got, we ended up getting 10,000 square foot of mat. And so I started teaching classes. I had over, uh, over 100 Marines showing up to my classes every single day. Hmm. And so I got put on a deployment, but I got pulled off because they're messing with the physical therapy equipment that we're not supposed to touch. But, right. you know, if you don't have someone to supervise Marines, Marines right. will be Marines. So <laughs> that, that went up. And so I got called into the, the CEO's office and uh, he's like, well, what do you do in Miramar? I was like, well, I choke people. So I didn't do my job. Like I didn't. I didn't do my job. I, I ran. I ran that. So then they they sent me back. So that became my full time job in the Marine Corps was teaching uh, jujitsu, and uh, mm-hmm. I did a bunch of other stuff in there like uh, meet and greets with recruiters and all that kind of shit. But that, that was for the most of it. That so, was fucking awesome. Oh, it was, it was great. I, I had a blast in the Marine Corps. Yeah. All I did was wear shorts and a shirt and go choke people. Like <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah. And uh, so I was going to make that my career. And so I, I was getting out of the Marine Corps. I made it onto uh, Team Black House. Uh, and you know, like I, I was, I was going up, like I submitted uh, my, I, I made it, I went professional in 10 and a half months in no gi jujitsu oh. and just, just started cruising through it. And, uh, when, when I got out, I wasn't training as much. I wasn't being as flexible and my back was hurting. So I went to the VA and I was like, Hey, my back's hurting. So like I tried to tell him, it's like, it doesn't feel muscular, but here's muscle, uh, here's muscle relaxers. Mm. I was like, but I'm telling you, it's like, it doesn't, it feels like more like spinal it's like here just take these i was like okay fine so i took them and then by the time i made it to the exit of the hospital i couldn't move my legs jesus so what happened was um i, I had mris done and everything and the the surgeon um s- said that back around when i was at uh, mct that's when my uh, l5 was fractured and he showed so me on the l5, scans. l5 is the uh, the, lower, the vertebrae yeah vertebrae. it's, it's the, the lower back okay and it, it was uh, it was fractured and uh and he said it happened like X amount of years ago. And so I mapped it out. I was in MCT at that time. Mm. Well, when I was there um, on the last hike, my buddy, he was my, my same weight, we we're 220. Uh, he rolled his ankle really, really bad at the beginning of the hike. And so our sergeant just got done telling us about never leaving a man behind, you know, mm. brotherhood, yada, 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 the whole, you know, the whole spiel. Yeah. And uh, so he sprained his ankle. So yeah. this was the last hike to graduate. Yeah. So I picked him up. Uh, so I carried him, my pack, his pack, and both of our weapons. And I started walking with him on my back. <laughs> The sergeant comes running up to me, yells, you need to put him down. He needs to do this. And I just looked at him. And I was like, you just got done telling us about never leaving a Marine behind. See, there you go asking questions, bro. Yeah. And so <laughs> like, I turned around. I kept walking. Well, he didn't stop me. So mm-hmm. I finished the hike, and he ended up graduating. That's the only time I could think that I actually yeah. fractured my back. Seems pretty likely. So when that happened, my fight crew was over, like overnight. Like I was the next up-and-coming, like big thing, and then like – because Bam. because what if you got any more damage on it you could be permanently no I couldn't move my legs oh you just couldn't move I couldn't move my legs oh, wow. what was happening is uh, it was pinching a nerve like my my core strength was actually holding my spine together through the whole wow. all the years of fighting and uh, what happened was I wasn't when I wasn't training as much and wasn't staying as flexible because I went from training because I was I was training in the morning I was training in the afternoon I was training at night mm-hmm. and then when we made it onto Team Black House I was only training in the evening so uh, my training got cut down. A, a lot you know in that period when you get out of the military and then so it was like it was like bam like done and i couldn't couldn't really move my legs so they wanted to fuse my back um fortunately uh, one of my friends she's a physical she's a body worker she told me not to do that so she did some work on my back and it was because of her i was actually able to rehab my back and it took it took me two years to recover but I th- a lot of that was more emotional i think because i didn't mm-hmm. think i was I didn't, I didn't feel like i was worthy to do anything like i was broken you know right. you're, you're trying to be this like indestructible killing machine and and like 
in the military, like especially in the Marines, and, and, and I was like, I, I trained, like I got really, really good at choking people, <laughs> like, and then overnight I was done, and yeah. so I was like, well, this is it, that's over, and I was in, I, I just remember, I was fat, I was like 255 pounds, I was super, I was really oh, fat. How, how much are you now? Just go for people listening on audio, because you look pretty lean. You look like what, pretty lean, 200 or something? Yeah, 200. Yeah. Uh, but I, I've dropped weight. Like I've, I fought four months ago on UFC Fight Pass. Uh, that's actually a funny story I'll tell you that later but so I, I, I was I was in a, a bad relationship girls cheating on me all the time but like what am I gonna do like I'm fat I'm broken I can't really do anything you're a lieutenant down at the time yeah I was like I was like I was out and then uh, I, I played this, uh, this video game and it was called Elder Scrolls Online and they didn't tell you much about how the game works so I reverse engineered the algorithms in the game and I found a bunch of loopholes do you mean you reverse okay I can I'm elaborate from, on I'm this. Remember, I'm from the infantry. Okay. I'm going to need some elaboration on how you reverse engineer an algorithm. So the algorithm is the formula that they use to calculate how the game works. It's the program. So if you do X amount as your base damage, and then this amplifies this, and this uh, this piece of gear amplifies this, and then this is this, and it, it's it's the formula. But they didn't tell you what the formula was on in the game. So I, I sat there with my buddy, and I used Excel, and we, we would change one variable at a time, and I started piecing together the formula. And then they added so many different variables in the game because they had so many different structures that were overlapping each other. It was a very elaborate formula. So I, I put it all on an Excel sheet, and I found some loopholes. And so I made it so my character was pretty much indestructible, and I could kill somebody with one button. And I tried to let the, the developers know, and they never got back to me, so I... I took on the whole server and, and fought everybody. <laughs> right. Yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was hilarious. Um, it, it, it caused a big ruckus on there. But um, one of the one of the people I met through there, I used to kill. So what we used to do, we used to smoke a little bit of weed and we, we'd play a game where we'd only kill that one person in the group every, every night. So like we'd each pick one person and we could only kill that person. And so one night I picked this guy and I killed him like 30 or 40 times that night. And like, we're just sitting there laughing every time. Cause like they'd raise, they'd raise him up. And then right when he'd like pop up, he'd like, he'd get an arrow in his back. And, like, poof, and so he'd fall trolling people. I was trolling people. Yeah. It, was, it was hilarious. I thought it was fun. That was, that was the joy I had at the time was yeah. in other people's misery. <laughs> <laughs> I know that one. Well, well, me and him, we ended up becoming friends and we're chit chatting and he ran a change management specialist firm. So he, we started chit chatting and he was very intrigued how I was able to like deduce that. Cause I showed him, I was like, yeah, I'll teach you what I'm doing. Like it's, it's not that hard. So I showed him what I did. He's like, and he's like, well, if I sent you this problem that we've been working on with the company, um, just let me know what you think of it. So he sent me what his company was working on. He, they're, they're streamlining a company. And uh, so I looked at it and I was like, okay, it makes sense. So I looked at the processes and I was like, well, it looks like they're trying to do some of these in-house and it'd be more efficient if they moved them out house. And then I just, just kind of gave him a rough guideline of what I would do if, to make it better. And uh, so I sent that to him. And he's like, wow, we've been working on this for the last two weeks. This, this is freaking brilliant. And he's like, um, are you, do you have a job? Are you looking for anything? I was like, no, I wasn't really working. I, I couldn't barely move. Like I was living off of my like 15 or 1300 or something, whatever disability dollars. Mm -hmm. I was living in like uh, like really shitty apartment in the middle of fucking Idaho, like just barely trying to make it by waiting for the fucking VA claim to go through, which to this day has still not gone through. <laughs> Mate, that is breaking news. <laughs> we have never heard of a VA claim being delayed. Oh, no, oh my goodness, yeah, right? And uh, anyhow, so after all that, I did that for a bit, and then uh, I, I started getting better. I was like, I, I remember the girl was, my, uh, my ex at the time, she was gone. I was sitting in the living room. I was at my house. I was like, I'm not happy. I was like, I used to be, like, super cheery. I, I used to fight, and I'd have a smile on my mm -hmm. face because I was having fun. I was like, I'm not happy. Fighting is fun. Yeah, it is fun. And so I was like, all right, well, 
something something needs to change. And that's why I made the decision that my happiness had to come from me and I couldn't put that on somebody else. Mm-hmm. That, that was the defining moment. So I was like, all right, I'm fat, I'm out of shape. I was like, all right, I'm 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 gonna get in shape. So I got back onto my uh, my my training diet, like uh, eating really really clean, really really healthy, and I started working out. Um, I started off with uh, girl push-ups, and then like you know, can't call them girl push-ups these days. Oh, can't call them uh, push-ups on the knees. Assisted push-ups. Assisted push-ups. <laughs> and then I had to do like crunching. I had to, I had to build myself back up, like yeah. literally from the ground up. And in three months, I lost fifty-five pounds. I got a really cool picture about that. Mm. And uh, we'll put it, we'll put it online. Yeah. And uh, so uh, then I, st- I started feeling good. And then I was like, and then I was sitting back in my, uh, sitting in my living room again. I was like, I'm still just not happy. Mm. And I was like, I'm in shape. Like, I feel good. Like, my, my back's good. I mean, it's still, I, I still have pain in it, but it's not overbearing. I was like, okay. Um, relationship, relationship's not happy. Like, she'd been cheating on me a whole lot. There, there's, I didn't realize there was a lot of stress coming in from there. So we ended up breaking up. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, and I wasn't happy where I was living at. I was like, in San Diego, it was nice. It was sunny. Everybody was happy yeah, up where I'm at. And like, nice. in like uh, Mormonville, everybody was really kind to your face, but most people were very two-faced, and it was very right. cold. It was just like, yeah, this ain't this ain't cut for me. So I was like, I was like, you know what? I quit my job. I quit everything that I was doing. I started applying to jobs. I got a job as a quality assurance inspector, and so I was a quality assurance inspector for UCSD. And then so I was doing that, and then, but I really want to be a project manager because that's that was my thought. So when I get out to USCSD, they're like, "All right, USCSD is um, is the college." Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was out there and I was I was supposed to inspect buildings. Well, like, well, they didn't have a quality assurance program, so I had to make the program. So instead of spending like thousands of dollars on a software program, I wrote the whole thing in Excel. All right. So I was pretty good with Excel, you know, from playing video games. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I wrote the whole program and I devised, and they still use it to this day. Uh, and uh, so I, I wrote this really really elaborate thing, and I was, I was so good at my job at doing it that I worked myself out of a job. <laughs> and uh, but I wanted to be a project manager, so I found another, I found other problems that they needed to fix. So I wrote wrote up a report and I put my resume on it and I handed it to the assistant director and I was like, uh, "Here's some problems that I found with the campus, and then here's my resume for it." So he looked at it and I was like, "Well, they opened up a project management position, and then they gave me the, the yeah, so you made your own job. I made my own job, so nice. I became a project manager. So then I did the same thing. I used Excel and I reprogrammed everything to to do everything with, and I had it correspond with all the directors. So. My, what I what I did would would it would be sent to the dean, the assistant dean, and all the supervisors of all the different campuses, and it, it was a very elaborate program, but it, it worked out really well. And I worked myself out of a job. I made it automated. Yeah, it, <laughs> like it, it turned out it was like a it was like a sixty hour work week, but I could only build forty, so I tried to make it more efficient. Mm-hmm. And I made it so efficient, it only took about <laughs> two to three hours to do. Yeah. And I was like, I ended up working myself out of job. But at the same time, I was like, I uh, I wanted to be in in a, in a film. People tell me I look like a cross between Ryan Reynolds and Ryan Gosling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I get that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> like, a lot of my posts was like, why is Ryan Reynolds doing porn? I was like, <laughs> like I, I get those some, on some of my comments. Because it's fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyhow, so I uh, so, so I applied to this uh, film festival. I guess I've seen you use Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> oh, shut up, man. <laughs> <laughs> you shouldn't have said that. Uh, yeah. A side note, I had yeah. a fan buy me like a like a three hundred dollar Deadpool costume. Oh. Yeah, right. um, for Halloween, but I, I was working, so I didn't actually get to really do much with it. <laughs> um, anyhow, so uh, I wanted to be in a film, so I went to a, there was a, they had this big film festival, so I went and applied for it, and I got put on a, two teams. I played the host of a sexaholic anonymous class for political comedy, right. and I did really well. And then I played the action hero on a film, and, but the thing is, no one knew how to fight. And we ha- we only had the space for a limited amount of time, so I told the director, like, can I choreograph the fight scene? And mm-hmm. he's like, go for it. So I started choreographing. I was like, man, no one else knows how to fight. So I told her, I was like, all right, we're going to fight for real. And I told her, I was like, 
don't pull your punches. Don't Hollywood it. Don't mm-hmm. when I hit you. Don't pretend like you fly back. If you do, you're gonna get hurt. And one of the guys didn't listen to me. So when we, when we were actually fighting and I pretended to hit him, he flew back and ended up hurting himself. Mm-hmm. So I called cut and I was like, all right. Like I said before, you will know when you're knocked out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna hit you. You can hit me. You're not gonna hurt me. Don't worry. But don't fake it. Like mm-hmm. and so then we did it and we shot the whole thing in one take. And then after that, like they looked at us like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Yeah, they came out really well, and then so that that snowballed. And probably you probably breached some sag after. Yeah, was, uh, <laughs> I, I, yeah, so we did. I don't know if it was like we yeah. were supposed to do it, but we we're on a time crunch, yeah. and I was like, yeah. all right, I didn't, I didn't know about that. No, it was fucking. And uh, so that that started the snowball, and so then I started making more money doing side gigs and acting than I was as a project manager because I was I was literally going to work mm. for forty hours, and then I was working forty hours on the side because pe- like uh, studios were shooting stuff around my schedule so that I could be there on there could go do it. So I was literally working 80 hours altogether and managing both jobs. Like, don't ask me how the fuck I did. I was losing my mind. But then uh, I told myself, I was like, well, if I can make more money than I make as a project manager's acting, I was like, all right, then I'll, I'll, I'll do acting full time. Just, just for a year, just to see if I, I can make it, do something with it. And then, uh, then I got asked to be on this uh, audi- video audition for this television show. And I was like, okay, well, I'll do it. You know, it was, it was a friend of mine was a casting director for it. And I was like, well, you already know my acting abilities. What do I, he's just, you got to do it. It's like, it's like their protocols. Mm. Like, okay, fine. He's like, but don't forget to slate it. Well, I didn't know what a video audition was and I didn't know what a slate was. I figured I was like, he just said like, record yourself reading the lines. I was like, okay, I've never read lines at this point. <coughs> I've, like all the acting stuff I get, it was all by word of mouth. It's like, he's right. good. Just go do it. Yeah. So, so no one ever like, I never had to audition for anything. So I was like, okay, this is weird. And so at the time I was cutting weight for, I was trying to do a fitness competition, but side note, ended up underwear modeling. Right. <laughs> it paid and I didn't want to, I had to pay to be in the competition, but underwear modeling paid me to be yeah. in shape. So I was like, I'll just do this yeah, instead. Makes sense. And uh, so anyhow, the, uh, so I did the audition. I was like, I said, my name's Will motherfucking weed. And I'm gonna read you this stupid ass script. I was hangry. My computer wasn't working. I had to Google <laughs> what the fuck a slate was. I was like, my name's Will motherfucking weed. And I'm gonna read you this stupid ass script. And I read it verbatim with right. a monotone, like the driest thing oh, you can do. Like I just, I wanted to turn in something cause I said I would, and I'm a man of my word, yeah. but I, I was like, I don't care if I get, I don't even want the part. Well, the casting director went and they said, his name's Will motherfucking weed. And they paused it and they said, that's the guy. <laughs> so I ended up on a TV show I probably shouldn't have even been on. Yeah. So yeah. right on the TV show, and this is how I ended up getting into porn. Well, there, there's a whole side note to this. Well, later. actually, let's stop there then, because this is this is going to be a good spot for. Uh, we'll take a, a little commercial break because I know you motherfuckers are going to come back to hear the porn <laughs> stories. <laughs> so I was going to hit a commercial break here. Today's podcast is made possible in part thanks to Frontier Risks Group, home of the world's leading practical training course in security risk management consultancy. Frontier Risks Group is an amalgamation of a number of leading companies in their field, guided by a team of equal experience and expertise in their respective domains. From security and crisis management, corporate risk, intelligence and analysis, compliance, workplace investigations, trauma response and training consultancy. If you are a veteran or if you will be transitioning out of the military, then you need to check these guys out, regardless of your rank or background. Some of Frontier Risk's former students now work as security risk managers, advisors, travel risk managers, security analysts for some of the world's biggest organizations, such as 
Netflix, BBC, CNN, Deloitte, BAE Systems, Apple, and many, many more, including travel expert companies. Uh, you can learn more about Frontier Risks Group at FrontierRisks.com. That's FrontierRisks, one word, dot com. Check them out, guys. They're a fantastic company if you are looking for courses or if you're looking for careers or if you are looking for consultancy. Get over there. Check them out, FrontierRisks.com. All right, podcast review of the week. Five-star only, obviously, if you give us a five-star review. Uh, now, that sounds like a bit transactional, doesn't it? If you give us a review of any star rating, we will consider you for free stuff. What that is, I have no idea. Uh, I got some leftover Thai food in the fridge. That is up for grabs. Um, today's review of today comes from Prop Life 0726. No. <laughs> Prop Life 7026. It's been a long day, you cunts. All right. Um, can say this podcast is a must for anyone, not just military or vets, that wants to be given a small bit of encouragement to accept the challenge. Having left the army in 2014, I have struggled with depression and anxiety after being involved in a road traffic accident after returning days earlier from Afghanistan in 2012. Mate, that fucking sucks. I'm sorry to hear that. Um, after years of feeling like I was worthless, Garen and his guests from the vet community have made me realize that the mental side of the army hasn't left me. And by constantly re-listening to episodes, it has helped me go from not, want, from not wanting to survive to the point now where I am starting a dream career that is going to give not only me, but my family a lifestyle that I'm proud of again. Uh, and mate, I'm fucking proud of you too. They're proud of you. Um, we've all been there. Um, and to know that we have been a part in, um, you've done all the work, mate, but you know, to be part of that, that means a lot. Um, you're definitely getting some free stuff. I'm, I'm even upgrading you from Thai food to leftover pizza. Um, that is, that is really awesome, mate. Thank you. Um, and you said you finished it off with shout out to the lads of 36 from 1st Battalion PWRR on Herrick 15. So, yeah, shout out 36 uh, from PWRR. And, uh, mate, thank you very much. That's touched me, actually, um, in a special place. But thanks very much. And um, keep the reviews coming in, guys, especially ones like Heartfelt Ones. Regardless of free stuff, that's, uh, yeah, that makes this all worthwhile. So, cheers. Thanks very much. And, uh, all right, let's get on with the podcast. Right, um, I am back from the bathroom. Will is here, and his famous penis is going to answer some it's, questions. It's an award-winning penis. Now. It's an award-winning <laughs> penis. There you go. New best was it? Best newcomer. Best male newcomer. Best yes. male newcomer. C U double M E R. If you want to, <laughs> if you want to Google that one, see the award. Congratulations, on that, mate. Oh, thank I'm you all very about much. having winners on the podcast, mate, in yeah. every fucking category. Right. So, you were acting. Regular acting. Yep. Throwing people around, telling people you will motherfucking weed. And then, what happened next? How did you go to losing your pounds? So, um, that was, let's just say I was on a TV show for, I was filming the military TV show, right? And there was a, they had a guest porn star that was on set. And she wanted to shoot this thing called content. And basically, mm. she wanted to fucking film it. And I was like, you know, it's going to mess with my career. I'm an actor. Oh, so wait. <laughs> so she wanted to do a bit of on the side. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And you were like, no, because I'm a. Yeah, it's going it's to mess with right, cool. so, so I actually turned it down. I, well, I, I admire your <laughs> I, I, I admire your self discipline. And uh, 
So then she's like, well, let's don't take it off the table. Like, think about it. And I was like, I was a betting man. I was like, production had to book around my schedule because mm. I had a, I was supposed to go shoot a commercial on an island and then go play Captain America at Comic-Con. So they actually scheduled around that. And I told her, I was like, I thought I was being a smart ass. I was like, I'll tell you what, those jobs are in like two days. If they cancel, I got nothing else to do. Then sure. I shit you not. I walk on the set the next day. My agent called me at nine, like dead on the, like mm. right, nine zero zero, like nine and calls me he's like hey i got some bad news i was like what he's like um uh, those jobs canceled uh oh he so didn't they, put in those words go. but he, they canceled i was <laughs> like are you serious and he's like yeah i was like okay and i took that as well i guess the universe wants me to go be a porn star yeah so <laughs> well that's one way of looking so <laughs> it's worked out i was kind of halfway on that mm -hmm. and kind of halfway thought it was a prank at the same time because during that the whole shooting of the tv show one never leave me unattended because i started pranking everybody and i was making these little All prank right. videos and like they, they did a lot of good for like the show, like some of them went kind of viral, <laughs> mm -hmm. and uh, I was just having fun. So I thought they might be pranking me back. So I was like, all right, we'll see. Yeah, I get you. So then we go and we shoot, and I, I shoot my first scene, and they're taking the first take of every acting. Like usually when you you act something, they don't take the first one. Usually it's the third one is like the golden the golden take, usually. Mm -hmm. And but they take the first one. I was like, okay. And then we move to the next the next part. We're going down the page. And this is still on the regular show now. No, this is this is important. Oh, hang like, on, hang on. It, it right. Well, we need to wind back then. We need to wind back. We people talk a lot about, you know, we've all been there. It's like first day in school. What's it like first day turning up on a porn set? Like I said, I thought it was kind of a prank. Like I didn't think it so was real. So you still thought it was a prank. I kind of like it was Where, in the back of my head. At what point when your dick was inside someone did you start thinking <laughs> that it was a prank? So so this what reinforced why I thought it was a prank is they took the first take of every acting. Okay, but okay. So what I'm saying like, is, okay. there's still a gap between yeah. here, like, because that's a pretty hardcore prank to then be allowed to fuck someone <laughs> as part of that well, prank. That's why so. I thought I thought they were gonna call it before then. Right. So, so that, I didn't care. I was like, oh, okay, we'll see. So that's what I'm saying. Like, so we we these t scenes you're talking about are these actual fucking scenes or are these, these actual like, fucking scenes? So you right. So, so this is the lead up to it. You know, yeah. like. Not many people watch the lead-in. Some people do, but there's, like, you have the acting of how they met. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. So, yeah. like, we're talking about this. Yeah. Okay, cool. That makes sense. Because I'm thinking, like, surely once you started fucking her, you realized it wasn't prank. Yeah, so we're like, well, how we met. And I was like, oh, okay. okay. So then we get down to it. It's like, well, now it's time to get naked. I was like, well, okay. Right. <laughs> so, okay. so I get naked. I was like, I know this game. Like, you know, so, so I get naked. I was like, all right. And next thing you know, my dick's in her mouth. And I was like. Maybe this is real. <laughs> I was like, so we shot the whole scene. We shot it straight through. I was okay, like, so good. okay, so how does one go about shooting a? But I know it's like the VR stuff is things differently. But generally, talk us through um, like a day on the set because, like, this isn't like people just being like you're in a bar and it's like, hey, let's go sit outside shoot porn. Oh, this is all really well scheduled out. And yeah, everything like that. So just kind of talk us through the business side. All right, so typically I would get I get my call sheet like the day before, or I get it a couple weeks in advance. Depending. So a call sheet is what you get for telling you what scenes you're doing, when you need yeah. to be on set. What time to be there, what to bring. If there's a script, they'll have it attached. And then... Do you looking, are you looking for script writers right now? I know. I know someone <laughs> in the business. Uh, actually, we'll talk off camera. Actually, you know what? I just might be able to do that. I, I know yes. someone mentioned that it was a couple weeks ago. I don't know if they feel it or not, but I could totally relay it. Oh, I'm willing to feel anything. It, it would be to. funny is if you if you do if you do get the job, you'd be writing some of the pornos. I'd be acting. Dude, that'd be so fucking <laughs> cool. Right, I'm putting it out there to the universe right now. This needs to fucking happen. Right. But we'll talk more. Let's grab. We're gonna grab okay. some dinner. Uh, so basically, get that and I show up. Yeah, okay. Um. So. 
when I was new, I didn't know, I didn't know the girl that I was working with. So it's kind of like you got you got a lot to cover, you know. Like, well, how, how is it? Do I got to get to know her? Do I, should I not need to get to know her? Mm, you, you don't know. Because like, what are you applying at this point? Like dating rules? Yeah, it's like, like you know, this brand new territory. <laughs> so I was like, well, shit. I was like, all right, I just play it cool. You know, I was in my head. I just played it cool. Yeah. <laughs> so I played it cool. I played fun. Like, I, I told her, I was like, in my head, I was like, if I get her to laugh, we're going to have fun. And then okay. I realized that if we're having fun, it's going to be a good day. Mm-hmm. And then I had scenes where we weren't laughing. It wasn't fun. And those were very hard days. Okay. But, like, okay, but your, av- uh, your average day, though, with a chick, right? Yeah. Right. Presumably now you know a lot of these girls. Yeah. I get requested to work with most of the girls. Ah, so it's requests come from the girls. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. All right, let's just making some notes here. So you get requested a lot, more. You had an agent for acting. Presumably, people have agents in porn. Mm-hmm. I have a porn agent. Yeah, porn agent, and they work exclusively in porn, or do they also do normal acting? Um, I've gotten some mainstream requests from them, but right now I'm pretty. I'm usually booked out about two months in advance. Right now, damn, that's awesome. So just for people to know, yeah. like, get an act, get an acting job is very fucking hard. Well, if you can mm. act and fuck at the same time, like, yeah. you, you're gonna be working a lot. So like, yeah, you can be hot shit. Anyone out there considering a career change? Um, but like, so you turn up on set, and you get like, is it like brief? Like, you get like a briefing, and is it like a safety briefing? <laughs> like, other things? Are it, they telling? Are they telling you like? It, are they it just, depends. Like, yeah. Uh, some companies that you work for, they do uh, like video sign-ins. So you verify you are who you say you are. You got your IDs, and then you go over do's and don'ts. Like, what do you like? What do you not like? You, you know, because you don't want to like do something that the person doesn't like. Yeah. Not, like, so this was this this kind of what I'm getting my head about. So when it's like, is there like a literally like a play like there's a playbook, and they're like, all right, for the next thirty seconds, you're gonna fuck a missionary. Um, and then we're gonna take that, or, or is it, or, or do they just say just go ahead and fuck? It varies. Right. Uh, sometimes they like. So what happens is, is the director gets a script from the company, and they're like, "This is what you want. This is, this is a like a guideline of how we want it." So they want like three or four positions, or if they have specific shots or specific positions they want, they'll put them in there, and then you have to do those. Um, so basically, you get it, and it's like. Then you, you go by that. Now, some directors, they, they, they shoot one position, then they'll cut, and then they'll shoot a transition. They'll redo the lights, then they'll shoot the next one. Oh, shit. I didn't even think about lighting. Some of them do that. Some of them, they light the whole thing up already, and they say, like, because like, when I was new, it helped to be told what they needed. Because mm-hmm. you don't really know, like, lighting. Like, what, the, what do you mean lighting? My dick's going inside. Well, they got to see it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So yeah, you don't really think about that. High definition. Yeah. So I I actually worked as a as a PA for free for a month because I was like I want to see how yeah, the good, good guys thinking. are doing it. That's good like, if I could see how they're doing it, then when I learned jujitsu, I learned from watching other yeah. people. And that's great. Uh, that's great advice for any career. Yeah. It's like, look, if you want to get paid well, do free work first. It's like and learn. That, that, yeah, yeah just learn. That, you'll get ahead of everybody. If 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 you're somebody if you're somebody outside with your attitude of. Um, that's not in my job description or I'm not doing that they don't pay me then you're never gonna go yeah you're, you're not gonna, gonna go, go far and uh, so so I, so I did and I started seeing how like the really good guys run the, run the scenes I was like oh that's cool and then I realized how the lights were and then I was like actually looking at the camera and so I could see what the camera was shooting I was like well that made sense so then when I took that information and then I went and applied it into my scenes well that was a game changer yeah that's 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 a really good thing to do that, that, was, really that was a huge game changer that's uh that happened and then i would say 
that following month, I started getting booked out <coughs> almost every single day. And is that because you think you just make it, you're basically making less work for the people that like you're making their job easier? You're thinking for well, them. Here's what it is: your paycheck depend like everybody's paycheck on set depends on whether your dick works. Right. So if it's a good scene, like if you if you're a strong performer, like if you show up and you can't get your dick hard, director doesn't get paid, the PAs don't get paid, uh, crew don't get paid. Dude, that's a lot like, of pressure. I gotta say. There is no chance on earth my dick is functioning with that kind of pressure. If absolutely, you think about it, yeah, it's absolutely no chance. I fucking get nervous about about fucking writing a book, <laughs> thinking that there's some other people's money involved. Um, like, well, we we talked about this in Vegas. So I, let's let's talk about this actually, because I know this is something that because like like I said, I'm being truthful with yeah. a, with with a bunch of people's careers on the line. Me wondering if if they got kids who aren't going to eat because of my dick. Yeah. There's no way my dick is working. Right. Um, I talked about my book, Brothers in Arms, uh, plug. Um, I talked about when I was when I was going through really bad PTSD yeah. about how then I started getting erectile dysfunction problems, too, because my whole persona was that I was weak and pathetic. And even though I was go it was while I was in, I was spending a lot of time in Hollywood, actually. And, you know, well, one of the things that people might not know about Los Angeles is it has some of the most beautiful fucking women in the world. And a lot of those women, or certainly enough to, for, for, uh, enough that made me happy, enough of them wanted to sleep with me. But that didn't matter. The actions of the of the world did not match up to, um, did not match up to the way I thought about myself. Like I literally thought I was, I I was a piece of shit for not having had the common decency to die in Afghanistan, and that like I was worthless and all this kind of stuff. I know I am not the only bloke out there. Who has had those things? And I'll say this as well: it's definitely not an issue now. But can if I'm having a public, if I'm having a bad, if I'm having a bad week or something, yeah. it could be a problem. How does one go about keeping a like? Because basically, it's about it's about being not letting negativity come into your mind, isn't it? How do you go about that, considering the pressure of the situations uh, you know you are in? You gotta not care, right? So okay. things come from a place of love or a place of fear. Okay. Like, no, at the no, bare root. Talking. Now we're talking. So if you're operating out of a place of fear, you failed from the get-go. If mm -hmm. you're going out there, if you're going to go, if you're in a fight, like you, you watch the Mike Tyson fights, mm. and he knew, he knew he's going to win I saw before the, few, the fight starts. I tell you what, I saw it in a Fury fight yeah. this weekend. When Wilder was like giving his pre-game interview, yeah. and he was like, yeah, I'm going to not, like, you could tell he didn't believe it. Yeah. You could tell he didn't you believe see it. it. Yep. You could yeah, see yeah. it before you get there. So yeah. if you're operating at a place of fear from the get-go, you've already lost. Mm -hmm. You're not in a winning state of mind. So you got to kind of take like all that responsibility and just like all that pressure is like, well, that's not, that's not part of your job. My job is to go in there and have fun. They're trying to capture a moment of having fun. So why would I focus on the, the financial side of shit? I was like, if I fail, right, they're still going to have a roof over their head. They're still going to have food on their table. Nobody's going to die. We're all going to wake up the next day. You know, so it's like. So it's about really, because I think one of the things is about, and again, this comes with uh, with everything. It's like the idea of somebody, um, some people, the shame of losing their job makes them kill themselves. Yeah. Whereas we, the reality is that that's only an issue if you make it an issue. Yeah. You know? Money, like, put this in perspective. Money gets printed and burned every single day. Mm-hmm. Like the value of money is like literally it's all for the people's faith. So if you think about it, it's get printed and burned every single day. Why should that have such a harmful effect to your body? Of, of so I'll just it? say, all right. So we've got Johnny 19. He's listening to this podcast and he's got, he's picked up a girl. 
He's been into her for a while. She finally agreed to a date. She makes him wait for dates because, you know, that's what she's been told she's supposed to do. And then he takes her out to Nando's, gets her a nice chicken, and they go back to um, his place, and he starts to get nervous. What's your advice to, what do I call him, Johnny, 19? Second, your nerves get involved, whether that's stress, anxiety, you can kind of feel it kind of raising up. The second those start going up, I mean, you're gonna you're gonna fail. You're operating out of a place of fear. All right. So now, when you're okay. young, though, sometimes your hormones can kick in and take right. it over, but that's not always the case. So we have to basically this is a problem that needs to be addressed before the moment of sex, right? Do you believe in mantras and that kind of thing? Mantras, yeah. Yeah, mantras. Mm -hmm. So do you think those are an important thing in um, in making? Because it's all about base level confidence. This basically isn't it? So if you don't, if you're not like, if you don't have a strong base level confidence, then. And that um, comes from the the good intent. Like I think the interpretation of a lot of people's view on confidence is different. Okay. Um, what would you? I wouldn't say I'm I'm confident. I would just um, say I don't really care about what other well, people think. Okay. I just let's have see fun. So you come across to me as confident in the sense that you're just very happy. Yeah. Like, I'm happy. Really, so like I come like. I don't know, like, maybe... Uh, Look, I live maybe. years unhappy, and it yeah. sucks. <laughs> it sucks. Okay, well, here's it. Okay, what was your sexual performance like when you were unhappy? It was rough. There we go, see? I think yeah, we it was just rough. Cra we, cra we cracked the fucking code. <laughs> like, I, like, I could do it some, like most of the time, but sometimes I'd be like, I'd rather not have sex. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, we just... I'm I'm fine, you know, like, uh, I'm not, not in the mood. Yeah, it's too easy to push off. Yeah. Well, there we go. I think we just cracked it. You want a happiness, happy life. It could be happy. Yeah. yeah, that's it. So, yeah, I think again, this is something that ties into anything. It's mental. Full stop. Is it can be easy to go and let's continue with you know using dick and go right. Well, can't get hard, so let's use. Before we do that, go. some things that interfere with it. There are some bio, bio biological things that will interfere with getting your dick hard. Okay, well, let's go over those. Cause, okay, no, actually, let me finish what I'm saying because otherwise okay. I'm going to forget what I said. Okay, <laughs> say what you and said. And it, it, it's basically about um, how, for instance, um, so let's say this or PTSD or anything like that. You can think that the solution is therefore, right, that is what I think about. So that's the, I, that's the idea to attack. But what quite often is the case is you do something that's totally unrelated. For instance, going for a walk in the mountains or spending the day at the beach. And those things that... Like, going for a walk in the mountains has nothing directly to do with your penis. No. But I guarantee that if you do that and you're happier, then your sex life will be a lot better too. And I think that's kind of one of the problems people have with this stuff is, like, they get too narrow-minded on the whatever area that is. So if it's PTSD, you only think about war, where it's like, well, what's your job like? What's your debt like? All these other kind yeah. of things. So go back to what you say, maybe. Or, too, or may too many people are too worried about their performance. Yeah, you know. Like, well, but that comes down to the whole thing of like that comes down to the whole thing of if if worrying about other people's opinions. Yeah, it's basically like we we get this all the time. See, I don't I, care. Like, I really don't care if people like what I do or love mm -hmm. what I do. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't and care. everyone says that. Yeah. But I think it's you're you're one of the I I don't think a small percentage of people. Like, I think you you're way in the minority of people who genuinely don't care. Now, can, that can also make people assholes too. Because if you like, I genuinely don't care, but you you don't have good intentions. Yeah, but, but I don't like putting out negativity out there. Exactly, you, know, but you have good just, intentions. So yeah. it's like I genuinely don't care, and I want everyone else to be happy. Yeah. It seems like a recipe for you know having a great fucking life. 
I mean, she's pretty good. I mean, live a pretty good life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so things that will mess with is if you have too much caffeine, like it's a vasoconstrictor. You know, it'll it'll help it. If you have uh, too much caffeine, is bad. So bad for you, dude. Yeah, it's bad for your dick. If you're taking um, supplements, uh, different types of peptides will actually interfere with it. Peptides are the steroids. Um, they're they're or not they a steroid. It's it falls in the category of peptides. Some of them can act like steroids, like a weaker mm -hmm. version of them. Oh, okay. A lot of athletes or lifters or people that are trying to just like get extra results from the gym or something like that they'll, they'll start taking peptides okay um what, what it is it's like your it, it's your uptake it's it uh what, what these peptides do is it tells your body what to uptake into its receptors so you can have it to take uh uptake your free-floating testosterone mm -hmm. well your free-floating testosterone correlates to your sex drive mm -hmm. so you've got like out of all your testosterone you've got uh, a certain percentage that is free-floating you've got a sex hormone that consumes most of your testosterone and uh, so if what happens is if the balances are off, it's not going to work. So like if you're actually having problems and like eating a clean diet's not working, having a good mental state's not working, there's a good chance your testosterone's off. So yeah. go get it checked. Yep. Um, Especially in the UK where it's free. Yeah, just go get it. It's get actually it. good to know what your levels are anyways. Yeah. You know what? I'll, I'll do mine. We'll do it together. People listening, I'll get mine done. You get yours done. We'll talk about it online and we can compare free floating testosterone. Not making a competition though. But we well, can, uh, yeah, you yeah, want to get it, it. You want to get that, and you want to make sure that they um, test your sex hormone because it it consumes your free floating test. Nice. It's actually, um, and that's also a lot of people that have too low a body fat percentage actually have very low T. I don't know if you know this, but a lot of people in the UFC they're, they're so used to being lean all the time. Oh yeah, I can see that too. They're, yeah, they have low T levels. Same with, uh, I mean, I know with uh, with uh, for the female listeners as well. Um, you know, one of the da dangers about people getting too low on body fat females is it does the same thing with the estrogen levels, mm -hmm. right? Um, so yeah, you got to be careful. Like the fat levels, fat levels are important. But also, if you're fat, overweight, and don't exercise, your T levels are going to be. Hey, yeah, gonna be here's one actually. One when it comes to bonus, I'll tell you this: you get fucking fit, you go to the gym regularly, mm -hmm. exercise regularly, sleep well, um, you'll get bonus. Oh yeah, well, well, there's a lot of two, a lot of th like uh, nutrition and even health wise. There's a lot of diseases that were thought uncurable. And turns out they actually are curable. Mm -hmm. um, like, for example, I cured a bipolar. I had type two bipolar, and I cured it. And I started helping other people cure it too. And what it is, it's, it took me a long time to figure out how that worked. Because uh, I, I was in a state of mania and hypomania for like ten to eleven months out of the year. And when my brain started working, I was like, Why isn't this working? Like, this is not right. I'm not I, like I would look at my phone. I'd scroll through, and I don't. I don't remember like ten to twenty percent of the pictures. And I was like, It's me, but I don't remember the memory. Wow. So I was like, something was wrong. I was like, you know, I went through really dark, dark, dark times, and it was it was kind of hard to get through. And uh, I, I was at one point, I was like, I was, I was suicidal because like the reason why I was suicidal was like uh, I was a trained killer. Like I was really good at martial arts, but I was also taught self defense and hand to hand combat. One of my specialties was how to disarm uh, someone that was pointing a weapon at you from ten feet away. And so I was like, it was very well trained. I was like, well, what if? I, and I was having these blackouts. I was like, well, what if something happened in a blackout? Oh, yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah. So like I was like, I was I was at my wits end. And fortunately, my mother found uh, there was like uh, nootropics, and she she got me this uh, nootropic that I, that I was taking in it. It worked enough to get my brain to start working properly, and I had like this knack for seeing how things work. And uh, so when it started working, I was like, I started scouring the internet, and there was this uh, there was this um, doctor that spoke at a physics conference, and I listened to it. It's so, like a three hour long um, seminar type thing that he did. I was like, I was fascinated by it, and he talked about how like the bioelectricity of the body like each cell has things in it that behave like a capacitor so each cell is like a little tiny battery and you got battery packs in your body and he talked about when your battery packs because you can actually test them with multimeter leads and acupuncture 
when uh, if the voltage dropped too low, the polarity would flip flop, and inside that cell is considered a dead cell. It was unable to create a healthy cell, so it have to have that cell created in, in the body elsewhere, and that's where you get chronic illnesses from, like your cancers and, and, and stuff like that. It's really fascinating. And then he talked about um, where you have uh, maintenance levels and treatment levels, like vitamin E. If you have a certain amount of vitamin E, but in higher doses, it does something different to the body. And it's like, so I was like, that's very interesting. And then I found that the uh, uh, in the forums that people said that when they switched their diet over to a, a high healthy fat diet, that it helped people that uh, the bipolar people in the community, like the on the forums, were saying that that seemed to help them out a lot. It's like right. okay, so what I what I discovered is that it's um the what, what's going on, and I, I found a correlation because I started helping other people with this. I found that extreme anxiety, extreme depression, uh, bipolar, and uh, even schizophrenia, it's it's all the miscommunication of the emotional campus of the brain. And another thing I found that was very interesting is that people that had uh, that bipolar very very intelligent mm. I was well think about it, it you're you can't be intelligent and emotional at the same time it's biologically impossible your frontal lobe is your intelligence and the inside of your brain is the the emotional campus so it's like a teeter-totter either one's on or the other one's on so so it's so it makes well, that sense. makes so much sense that I've never even thought about that before well here's um, where it gets even interesting so you can, I started figuring out like if you think in terms of computers so now we're tying in the whole like yep. the computer aspect into it um, a runaway variable you know if you tell a computer to count but you don't tell it to when to stop it'll count until it blue screens of death right well when uh, someone that has bipolar when they feel an emotion there's nothing in their brain telling them how much of that emotion to feel mm. so they feel it until they black out and then th that's like the blue screen of death you know es essentially and then they, they can no longer give or receive input you know like yeah. nothing nothing's computing there and so that's why a lot of people have a problem talking to someone that's bipolar because when they're in a state they, they, they're not listening because they're talking to a brick wall because you essentially are yeah and so what it's all and then I, then I, I went from there and I took the data of looking at like um, across the uh, all of America and, and mental illnesses on the rise. I was like, well, why is it on the rise and not in other countries? Like, why is it just here? Well, look at the dietary trends like our parents generation, their parents generation and so on. We're taught not to eat fats. I was like, well, having a deficiency in fats is directly correlated to the emotional campus of the brain. So what I started doing is I, I started take I changed my whole diet up. I was eating uh, I was eating a bunch of avocados a day. I, was, I started drinking flax milk. I was drinking a quart of flax milk a day. I was eating, drinking, sa eating salmon, like anything I could do with like healthy fats. I was, I was like consuming and I felt like it was, it was making a dent, but it wasn't quite mm. like doing it. You know, it wasn't. So I, so I was like, all right, th there's obviously a work, like something, there's a constraint. So I had to, I, w I went back and then I started doing research and I found that your body only absorbs 5% that you consume. And I was like, well, that's the problem. And so then um, I found that the, the, this company that made, they, they, they have these lipids, like some herbs that have lipids in them that help the breakdown of fats and specifically help them actually get transported into the brain. So I was like, well, that's cool. So I started taking those and I maintained the diet. I cut out all sugar, I cut out all caffeine because those both adversely affect the brain. And so I took all those and then three days it felt like a fog was pulled out and it was like wow. my brain worked. And I was like, part of me was afraid that I would lose the functioning aspects. Like, you know, like the, the, the hypomania, like your brain is like on another level working at, and yeah. I, was, I thought I was going to lose it, but I didn't lose it. Wow. And so it stayed, so I was, but I was able to consciously control it. So like when I applied stuff, I could really see how things work. So my jujitsu game went through the roof, <laughs> but it came back. But, uh, so what I did is like, I would, I would test it. And so I would, I would, I would take these supplements on it and then I would stop. How many days could I go until I feel like something's kicking back in? And I was consciously looking for it. And I'd usually go about three or four days. Sometimes I make it up to about a week before I could feel the bipolar kicking back in. I was like, mm -hmm. all right. And then I referred back to that doctor that spoke at the physics conference because I, I love physics. It's, I'm fascinated by it. And so I was like, well, there's maintenance levels and there's treatment levels. So 
I didn't research this. I just did it. I doubled and tripled the dose. I was I was taking two to three times the amount of the omega-3s and the fish oils that are supposed to be taken with the lipids. And the same thing for the other minerals that they bring. I just did it. I was like, fuck it. I just did it. And I may have been healthy, maybe not have been healthy. I didn't know at the time. I just did it. And so I did that every day for three months. And then I was like, well, I feel really good. I'm like, Let me stop taking them. And so when I stopped taking them, it never came back. I never had something come back. I went a month. I went two months. I went three months. I went four months. I went almost a half a year. And then it was like nothing came back. And I was like, well, I guess I fixed it. Yeah. And so I start, now uh-huh. I take them just as like a couple times a week. Instead of doing it every day, I take them a couple times a week for maintenance. So then I started helping other people doing that. And so uh, I, there was this uh, there's this cat from the uh, the Navy. He was he was a pilot. And uh, he said he, he was he was perfectly fine. He got some shots when he went on to go p- deployment somewhere mm. and that sent him into a bipolar episode. And so they kicked uh, he got uh, med because of it. And so someone referred him to me. And so we met and so I, I got him on it. And he was on a bunch of synthetics from it. And uh, so I said, well, this is what I did. And yeah. so I showed him what I did. And I was like, I don't know if you should get on that medicine. Like, I tried talking to a psychiatrist to try and figure things out. And they were just trying to throw meds down me. And I was yeah. like, like, from my understanding, meds. Which is the, which is the way it seems to be for, for most everything. It, it just didn't make sense to me. Like, it didn't feel right. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, tr- I trusted my gut on that. It, it didn't feel mm-hmm. right. And so I told him, I was like, I, I gave him the formula what I followed. And so he did it. Three days later, he's like, I can feel the drugs they gave me. It's not doing me good. So he quit him. And then he did my regiment. And now his brain works perfectly. Mm-hmm. It, it, it all has to do with the miscommunication of the emotional canvas. Yeah. Real quick, we got about 10 minutes. We're going to wrap it up. Yeah, sweet, bro. Awesome. Um, right, bro. Um, I want to wrap up on, on on this topic, right? Because uh, I've talked a bit before on the podcast about how, like most guys, especially guys that grew up not having the internet and then got it, I have gone hella hardcore on porn in my life <laughs> um, to the point where it was 100% addictive, compulsive, and I don't, I think damaging. Uh-huh. Where do you kind of sit on how like, like we got like we got a lot of young guys listening, and I am not going to say to people, do not watch fucking porn. I am an occasional user of it, but I think the um, I've got a kind of monster energy in front of me right now. Not a sponsor of a podcast, monster. If you want to sponsor us, hit us up. And um, <laughs> um, I do not think it's a good idea to drink cans of monster energy every fucking day. And I do not think it's a good idea to watch porn all the time either. Um, much as with other things, what's your like? Where do you kind of stand on um, like young guys, especially young guys, because older guys more so, um, you know, by see the probably the problem by then or not. But for young guys listening, where do you kind of stand on them watching porn? Well, depending on what age group, right? Well, let's talk about let's talk about like the young kids, like thirteen to let's go thirteen to eighteen. Hmm? It uh, the studies have shown that it adversely affects the brain, All so right. it's not good for young kids to be watching porn. So fucking. Well, don't put your cocks away, but just use your imagination. <laughs> um, it, uh, uh, I haven't read all of the studies, but my understanding from the brief uh, knowledge that I have of it is that it, it's kind of like disassociates relationships. That's kind of how I feel about it. I feel like really yeah. dissociated me from it. And then um, my, you know, all my friends who told me confidentially, I'll now repeat on the podcast, have told me a lot, of, a, lot, a lot of the same. And it just makes total sense it, how you would disassociate. Um, I, I believe exactly the same for violence. Yeah. I believe we, we become very dissociated mm-hmm. to, to violence. If you see on the screen all the time, um, the evidence is there. How about for adults? Well, truthfully, anything can be addicting, period. Right. Like, I was addicted to video games mm-hmm. for, like, the longest time. Um, everything is good in balance. 
like you can't say things one thing's like water's good for you right but too much you drink yeah. too much you'll die yeah you know so it's like is porn good for you you want to use porn use porn but I mean, everything's good and balanced. Too much of one thing's never good. Yeah. So that's good, dude. And I think um, the one thing I would like to say, encourage young guys out there, is I've seen some great porn in my time, but none of it compares to actually being in there and doing it yourself. So if you think about it like this, it's like going to the gym. It's like, um, you know, going to the gym, you do it. It's hard work. Maybe not watching porn is hard work, especially if you're out at the point where it's become addictive compulsion. Not work, not watching it is going to be hard work, but then it's going to fucking you'll be glad that you did it when you're balls deep in some like really good <laughs> fucking in some stunner or someone is balls deep in you for our female listeners. Because um, I know this is not just a one way, you know, it's not just a one way street. But no, I think you, I think you're dead right, mate. I think like anything, it's um, it's about it's about balance. Any words of wisdom you've given a lot? Any last words of wisdom you'd like to give um, our listeners before you tell us where we can find you online? Which is, as I said, in moderation. I would say uh, focus on your own happiness. You create your happiness, not other people. Um, Bro, I love that. We had a guest in, uh, my friend Paul DeGelde, who said, he said, practice your happiness. And I think both those things are focusing in on your own and then mm -hmm. don't expect it to just happen without making it like if you just go, I want to be happier and you stay in the job you hate and the relationship with someone is bad for you and all that stuff. You can't expect your situation to change. Yep. Um, mate, where can people find you um, on, online? Where can people find you on social <laughs> media? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at I will pounder. Uh, not her, but D, like pounder, like I'm going to yeah. pound it into the ground. P-O-U-N-D-E-R. Correct. There you go. And then on Twitter, uh, V will pounder. D will pounder. V will pounder. Right. Also, porn up. For those, <laughs> yeah. for those of you who are, of, who are of age, check him out. We like to support each other's work here. <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell you how, many, how go, many Marines have found me go, on, go, on go, Pornhub. Go on the comments. Leave him a simplify <laughs> in, in, uh, in the comment section. Um, Mate, thank you so much for coming on. It's been illuminating. I'd love to do this again while I'm in town if we can get another one in, mate, because we've still got loads more to cover. Oh, there's, there's tons. Like, my head, is, my head is, is hurting, but it's hurting in the good way. You've given me a lot to think about. Um, and, uh, mate, I hope everyone enjoyed the podcast. I know I know that they will, too. Um, <laughs> cheers for coming on, brother. Um, Thanks, And it's for you guys. I love you. We'll catch you next time. Goodbye. Yeah. Listen. You told me not to worry and you wouldn't break my heart You told me you were sorry and my whole world fell apart You said it's not my fault and yeah I've never done you wrong I'm grinding to a halt now I can see you're moving on I promised I'd get better and I told you things would change You keep me to the gutter, yeah I'll never be the same I've gotta let you go now, live your life and spread your wings And yeah you put on quite a show and pulled the puppet strings And are you sure that you don't want me? Remember all the pain and my gain. I'm leaving now forever, I won't hang my head in shame But yeah, you've taken me for granted, and you should feel ashamed You sold a dream to all of us, a dream that we'd all die for A reason for us all to live and something we could fight for I might just help a man up to his feet or hold a new one But no matter what I do, my hands remembering my rifle, yeah Life's hard, I know that, still wouldn't change shit I wouldn't go back, yeah, I wouldn't go back Feelings I hold back, 
Memories fade, yeah, they go fast, yeah, they go fast Good times to come and go, survive the highs and lows Just take it step by step, I guess, yeah, I suppose Good times to come and go, survive the highs and lows Just take it step by step, I guess, yeah, I suppose